Okay, so you haven't gone to the gym, but that's the plan. That's the plan. And what what kind of like fitness are you going for? Do you want to get like slender, lean, muscly? Well, I figure they're going to ask me what my fitness level is, and I'm going to be like, you're going to say zero, Neve. Gamer. <laughs> <laughs> Just like I can't do anything. I can barely move. My body's more of a concept than a real thing. Um, so I figure they'll figure out a plan. But what I'm looking for is upper body strength um, and speed. <laughs> Do you want to chase uh, people or run away from people? Uh, the striker type. <laughs> Both. And like if my legs get tired, I can probably get onto an all fours and do kind of a gallop with my new muscle arms. <laughs> That's how people run, right? I've watched the Olympics. That is how they race in the Olympics. <laughs> they use all four appendages to propel themselves across the track. Are we Are we going? Oh, yeah. Do you guys ever worry about, like, if orcs were real? Like, not once ever. Maybe as a child one time when I was doing my Warhammer painting, but not since then. Yeah, because <laughs> I could just see that coming with, like, a lot of problems, you know, considering what we've done. What have we done? Well, well, I feel like... Okay, so say orcs are real and they emerge from their, like, subterranean kingdom. Yeah. We've created a lot of really problematic media. It's okay. Show them the film Bright and they'll be like, okay. Yeah, that's the only one we show them and that's the only use case that Bright is helpful. Oh, thank God for Bright. Because <laughs> yeah. I feel like aliens could come down from the sky, right? And they, they, they'd kind of watch half our stuff and be like, oh, you know, that alien trilogy, that, 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 was, that was really upsetting to us. Mm-hmm. But you know what, E.T., that was pretty good or Mass Effect yeah Mass Effect like there's loads of stuff but like if orcs fucking watched like one film of Lord of the Rings they'd be like what is wrong with you I'm, I'm sure you could show them Warcraft that's a bit of a are you serious it's a big cultural that phenomenon that would be like the most racist offensive shit in the entire world there's but don't people roleplay as is orcs there? yeah yeah one of the there's a lot of sexual dimorphism in World of Warcraft, so the basically the female orc is just a green lady. No, I, actually, yeah, no, you're right. I was thinking of Warhammer. That would be very offensive. Well, yeah. There's orc magic in Warhammer, and when they want something to go faster, they paint it red, but because they believe it goes faster, it actually does because of orc magic. Um, I know in recent years in, in Warhammer, the tabletop game, they have buffed the shit out of orcs because they were kind of like an underdog class and now they're like OP so maybe they'd be kind of appreciative of like you know the advantage dice rolls that they get where did you where do you get your Warhammer knowledge Brian there's a couple of people at work that kind of tell me stuff and I'm like okay cool and then they'll keep talking and I'm like okay cool <laughs> no like I, I'm we're done I we could talk about this again next year <laughs> like I don't need to know anymore Welcome to the Let's Fight a Boss video game podcast. The world's strongest video game podcast. I am sitting here with two of the most pro-orc activists you will ever meet. To my left, it's the green skin. 
it's Neve. Hi. <laughs> and to my right, it's the horned dodger. It's Brian. I'm a pale orc. And with you always, I'm your host, Jord. Jord. <laughs> I think someone said that on Twitter today. Jorm. I was, Jorm. I was given some spicy opinions on Twitter and people weren't happy. Yeah, they were very stupid. Very silly thing to say on the internet. Yeah. You have to be careful about what you type on the internet. No, you don't. It's written in ink and in GIFs. <gasps> GIFs last forever. Yeah. That shit's going to be hosted up there way after we're gone. Yeah. Do you think the Ten Commandments would be in GIF form if it happened now? There would probably be a BuzzFeed abridged <laughs> version of it, yeah. yes. <laughs> and it'll, it, it, it would have the one of Jonah Hill screaming from Get Him to the Greek because mm. that GIF is so overused. They would have the one of the girl from Dance Mom doing that stupid fucking smile. Which one's that? It's the one where it's the girl who was the daughter of this. No, sorry, not Dance Moms. Toddlers and Tiaras. Oh, that show scares the shit out yeah. of me. Yeah. So there's a very famous gif of one of the main girls, the little blonde girl, and she does like this weird smile, but it's like she keeps like pointing her chin downwards. It's a very popular gif. What do you guys like favorite gif? I like the one of the dudes sweating because I feel like it comes up in my life a lot. That was good. I really like the one where it's a woman walking around and she keeps seeing stuff like veg and out and homo and curry puffs and she starts running away because gay panic. Oh, <laughs> it's dear. very good. Or there's a sheep falling down a hill in, in rain and lightning. Really like that one. <laughs> oh, wow, that one sounds good. Uh, I like any gifts where someone is just like clipped a 1930s cartoon to a 1950s cartoon. So like a Silly Symphonies like like skeletons dancing mm. or like a Tex Avery short. Mm. I just like seeing them preserved. Yeah, it, it's kind of nice that they get repurposed like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as they're, you know, not the awful ones. Yeah. There's a lot of them. Oh, okay. So Disney Plus is not available in Europe, obviously, but mm-hmm. they are showing like the old cartoons, but they have the disclaimer at the beginning where it's like, these have not been cut, but there is some historical problematic elements to I, th- them. I think it's cool that they do that because yeah. that shit shouldn't be forgotten I know with the Looney Tunes they had Whoopi Goldberg introduce them because she's such an animation nerd and she really wanted she, she's a real advocate for like let's get the racist side of Disney exposed and out in the light yeah and just be criticized yeah what's the one what's the film she wants Song of the South Song of the South which is uh, people were like is that going to be on Disney Plus no it's not uh, a film that came out in the 1940s and won an Oscar. And there's a ride in Disneyland, and you have no context for it. Disney is fucking weird. Disney's so fucking weird. Uh, we'll we'll get back to Disney Plus in a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> wow. Guys, guys, I watched Doctor Sleep. <laughs> Ooh. The exciting new chapter in The Shining story. As a Shining fan, are you excited? Were you excited? Um, yeah, I was excited. Okay. Um... So I really feel like it is an unreasonable expectation to go into this thing being like, here we go, Shining 2, baby. Um, and that's totally not how I was approaching it. And I'm glad because this film, at least most of it, is really, really not The Shining 2. This is a movie about psychics versus vampires. Fucking amazing, okay. And... They're not technically vampires, but they're fucking vampires. Okay. They're an immortal race that sustain their life by draining the soul out of people. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much. Vampire. They're yeah. pretty, and they're they're some of them are really hot. So 
vampire. Yep, total vampire. Um, and basically, the story takes up like I think maybe thirty, even forty years after The Shining. Danny has grown up, and he's an alcoholic, just like his old man. Oh dear. Yep. Um, he has psychic powers, and he makes friends with a little girl, and the vampires base in this set sounds so weird but this is the kind of shit Stephen King writes when he's not writing horror he writes a book a year he's very prolific yep the vampires basically ride across America in giant expensive trailers like scanning America finding psychics and eating them so the soul of a psychic is more like desirable do they eat only psychic I think souls? it's only the psychic souls okay. that can sustain them. Wow, okay. And so they'll get the psychic, and even though all they need to do is, like, draw the soul out with this abstract ritual, the more frightened the psychic is, the better the soul tastes. Okay. And so they'll be, like, slicing it up with knives and stuff. That's so horrible. Yeah. These... So it doesn't need to be violent, but they purposely make it violent because it makes the meat soul taste better? You gotta season that pig. Okay, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And it's a child this time. Ah, uh, sometimes, yeah. Okay. Sometimes it's totally a child because they've eaten all the adult psychics. Oh dear. Oh dear. So this child girl meets uh Ewan McGregor. Child yep. girl. And um hijinks and Sue. <laughs> um it's a weird one, you know, because like It's the hotel in it. <sighs> Is that a spoiler? Mm, it's the shining too, no. But like and if so, why? Yeah, and the hotel's in Ready Player One. It is not sacred ground anymore. Yeah. You fucking take that back. <laughs> um, the shine, elements of The Shining definitely feature heavily in this movie. For starters, like, a lot of the ghosts in The Shining kind of get jobbed out. You guys familiar with that term? Mm. Okay, in professional wrestling, wrestling yeah, okay. when you want to make one wrestler look strong you have to have them convincingly be another wrestler so you take someone who's kind of mid card and you put them in the ring you with the wrestler you want to promote and have them take an ass whooping you job them out like okay. Yamcha Yamcha is a great example of a jobber okay um old woman from the bathtub job the fuck out okay gets her ass kicked by the vampires by the vampires no. by the girl uh, yes, kind of. Tag team with... Uh... No, more separate instances. Okay. Yeah. And why? Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you never really leave the hotel. Uh, sure. And this is actually something that did kind of interesting at the start of the movie, but I think it ended up just being a weird homage as opposed to like anything like thematic or story-based. But there's like a scene taking place in an office, and I think it's an interview or something... But it's the exact room or like a replica of the room that the interview takes place at in The Shining. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. Maybe we never left the hotel, man. Maybe we never left. The-. It's nothing that interesting. Um, I liked this movie, though. Like, I had fun with it. Um, basically, the w- okay, I'm going to get a little, I'm going to get kind of spoilery now. So I guess we'll drop a, we'll drop a spoiler tag in the description if you want to skip but eventually we go back to the hotel and this is a good maybe two hours into the movie but someone's like we, yeah is this three hours long we, we have to go back to the hotel no I think it's like two and a half or something okay. they don't need to go back to the hotel 
they do because the hotel is the only place that houses a being stronger than the head vampire, Mrs. Hatz. Is Mrs. Hatz the old woman? No, Mrs. Hatz is the head vampire. Oh, Mrs. Okay, but who's the being in the house who's stronger than... The hotel itself. Oh. That's some control type shit. The framed photo of everyone at the 4th of July party. Okay, so things get really wild and they start recreating shots from The Shining in a way that I thought was maybe a little too pandery. Like, I was on board for a certain amount of Shining fan service, but this was maybe a little much, I thought. Um, But one of the fucking craziest things I've ever seen in cinema happens in this movie. And that is that Danny... Final Fantasy summons the ghosts from The Shining and shoots them at the head vampire. <laughs> okay. That's OP. Yeah. Okay, so is he a necromancer? He has trapped all the ghosts from The Shining in Pokeball-esque contraptions. Huh. Yeah. And this like is physical and- contraptions. This isn't him trapping them with his mind. No, he's trapping them with his mind. But okay. Okay. inside metaphorical boxes oh so he's compartmentalized his mind and his trauma into kind of boxes he has constructed the hedge maze in his mind and lining the hedge maze are little wooden boxes with all the ghosts he's trapped my man that's cool see that's like i i really i couldn't really dislike this movie there's a really fun gunfight in the middle which is a bunch of vampires getting shot over and over (laughs) Um, there's some good creepy bits to it. Like, they know... There's some very visually unsettling ghosts in The Shining, and they know how to leverage them very well. Like, one shot is literally a long hallway, and at the end of the hallway, there's a dark bathroom, and in the bath, looking out of the bath, is the woman, and you can just about make her out, and it's really cool. Like, it looks fucked up. And is this a horror movie, or or is it an action Uh, fantasy? It's an action fantasy until they go back to the hotel, and then they're like, it's The Shining again. I love this. This sounds great. I had a good time with it, and, like, the cast is... It's fine. Yeah, I like Ewan McGregor. Yeah, it's got Obi-Wan. Ewan McGregor's fine. The little girl is, like, giving it socks. She's great. And Uh, Mrs. Hatz? Mrs. Hatz is very charming, very charismatic. How gay? Oh, pretty, pretty gay. Okay. I, I'm. I can't remember, but there was definitely a point in the film where I was like, "Oh, you would like this." Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So yeah, like I, I, I had a good time with it. It was didn't blow my mind, but it sure killed two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what you want from a cinema um, experience in a lot of ways. I think it was kind of the best. The best reasonable outcome. Weren't there kids in the audience that were like... Oh, fuck. Okay, so this was the... Okay. The, Why was there kids? This what? was the best well, thing. like teenagers. So oh. I went to see this in the cinema, right? And there was a group of teenagers sitting behind us. And initially I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Because like they were, they were a little chatty. They weren't too bad. But as the film went on, I realized something amazing. And that was that these teenagers had not only never seen The Shining but had no concept that it existed. Just didn't know what it was. So it's those teenagers going to see a movie to kill time. Yeah. And they went to yeah. see Doctor Sleep. Yeah. And so I heard just these fucking amazing things like, 
oh shit, it's the twins. And then one of them goes, well, what are they from? And the guy just goes, the trailer. (laughs) (laughs) And at the end of it, the credits roll. And I just hear the guy behind me go, what the fuck was that about? (laughs) He was like, do any of you understand that movie? Because, like, if you haven't seen The Shining, like, a lot of this... Yeah, the, it, it's re- it does not meet you halfway, no, you know? There's no fucking point. Yeah. I don't know why you would. And I really... I had to stop myself, like, turning around to them and just being like, what was that like? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but I also didn't want to be a creepy man talking to teenagers in a cinema. You sure? No. Someday. There's, there's time for all that. <laughs> yeah. Um, That was Dr. Sleep. I... Yeah, I'd recommend it. Um, I think if you're if you're open to like that kind of modern action fantasy, nearly kind of supernaturally vibe, that's that movie, and it's it's fun, and the cast is good, and it's got some cool visual horror. Sure as fuck isn't like an actual sequel to The Shining, but it's it's oh. Didn't he write this because he did a poll and it was just like, next dark materials are like a sequel to The Shining. Which one do you want? And, did he? Yeah, and this one out by 6%. Wait, and he was for, just like, okay. For, for the Watchtower? Or, or wait, no. Dark Tower. Dark, dark Tower, Tower, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting all these mixed up. But yeah, I think it won out from a poll by like 6%. And he was like, final, why are you a sequel then? So it's kind of funny because um, Stephen King notoriously really hates the film Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. And one of the things he hates most is that, like, nothing happens to the hotel in Kubrick's version. But in the book, Stephen King blows... Or the the hotel blows up at the end. Mm. And in the made-for-TV movie, he the two-part... Or the three-part series or two-part, I don't remember. The hotel blows up in the end of that one. And this one, the sequel to The Shining, the hotel, which was, like, heavily involved by Stephen King... The hotel also blows up because he really wants that fucking hotel to blow up. Yeah, get rid of it. Gotta get rid of it. Neve, you saw Terminator Dark Fate. I did. And kind of similar to your experience with The Shining, it's kind of interesting to revisit Terminator as a franchise. There has been three since Terminator 2. There's been Terminator 3, which most people don't like, but I like because Claire Danes is in it and she's a vet, which just speaks to me on a very personal level. Uh, Salvation and Genesis also exist. Yeah. Which one is the one with the, the like, bikes? It's very futuristic. Salvation is the one that takes place in the future. Yeah. That's and that, such a fucking amazing trailer. And, 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 and that's a shitty got, movie. What a shitty movie. I really dislike Salvation. I'm one of the people who likes uh, the, the, the previous one, Wish. Genesis. Uh, yeah, I like that movie. It, uh, I, li- I like Amelia Clark. I can understand that. So this is Dark Fate and this is like a... This is this comes after two. Or it doesn't. You can just see it as an alternative timeline which yeah, is it. totally fine with me. They did that with the TV show anyway. So Yeah, yeah. Sarah Connor Chronicles which is, is really good. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Uh, Lena Headey as Sarah Connor. Good time. Sold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like Doctor Sleep in a way is kind of revisiting of Terminator 2. It's kind of nearly a retelling in the same way that Star Wars Force Awakens is kind of like a soft retelling of uh, A New Hope. So there's kind of beats that happen that is quite similar to 2, but it's at a different timeline. It's really nice to see Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor be back as like an old badass lady. 
And I kind of really like this as someone who was a, a fan of obviously the Terminator movies is to kind of revisit these characters. Um, same with like Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode and Halloween. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's like, it's not just like you get to see them again and they're cool and badass. You get to see them again and it kind of acknowledges the trauma and the horror of what happened to them the first time round. Yeah, that it's like someone in contemporary times who have suffered 80 schlocky movies. Yeah. And like the real impact of it now. Yeah, like it's not schlock to them. Yeah, yeah. it, it kind of existed and it isn't like this kind of like... You know, before you kind of like get revisits to these kind of things and it's like, you know, Terminator's still cool. Everyone's still cool. Everyone's still fine with everything. But now we're kind of getting this revisit where it's like that what happened was horrible. That was really traumatic. Like with Laurie Strode and Halloween, it's like she's lived in fear and she's passed that fear down to her kids. And now with Linda Hamilton, Sarah Connor in this, she's an alcoholic and she cannot, cannot know peace. And she's just consistently not living a life for herself she's kind of doing it her mission is just to kill terminators and everything else suffers like her physical health her personal health and i just thought that was a cool thing to kind of revisit in, in today's age uh, there's a very controversial opening scene in this movie okay uh extremely controversial that a lot of people have kind of written off the movie for and I don't know if I should say it because it is a spoiler, but it literally happens as part of the opening credit. I I, I think that's okay. Okay, well, we can timestamp it. But yeah. uh, it shows basically directly after T2. And this is young Sarah Connor and young John Connor. And Sarah's watching John ordering a drink at a bar and he's living his best life. He's like smiling at a girl and they've done the de-aging and they look fantastic. Like this is this like you could tell me this was real footage from the time. Oh, Everyone looks great. That's okay. Who's we'll, we'll uh, that. the actor yeah. that plays John Connor again? Oh, Furlong? Edward okay. Furlong. Uh, Edward yeah. Furlong. Yeah. He, he doesn't look like th that kid anymore. No. I, I don't know who that is at all, but I know that that child boy uh, he looks really good in this and I think it's because they don't speak but uh, John Connor dies he gets obliterated by a Terminator on that beach and Sarah Connor does not know peace from that moment so a lot of people are really angry because they're like what is the Terminator series without John Connor and I think if that's your take of Terminator <laughs> I think you're missing the whole point of Sarah Connor yes the key player in the Terminator <laughs> It's like, it's kind of a weird one, especially since John Connor was prevalent in three Genesis and like Revelations and like they weren't exactly blockbusters either. You know what I mean? Mm. So I don't think that's a reason to not go see this movie. I've yeah, seen that's an odd choice. I've seen literal tweets that are just like, that's like taking Jesus out of the Bible. And I don't know if you've read the Bible, but Jesus dies there too. So like, <laughs> it's fucking fine. <laughs> just like, Do not try and out Catholic Neve. <laughs> It's just like, it, it's like, it's one movie out of six. Fucking deal with it. This ha has an alternate retelling and Sarah is now going around the world. She's getting secret texts that is this giving out coordinates where she'll find a Terminator. And at the end of each one, it says for, uh, for John. So she's going to these locations and she's kicking the shit of every Terminator that tr um, that's thrown up. Cool. 
She's just blasting him with rocket she's, launchers. Oh, yeah. She's coming, packing heat. And Linda Hamilton looks amazing. She's like, she's just like holding a rocket launcher. She looks like she looks dope. She's in her 60s. She's really, really yeah, small as well. Really good. Mm-hmm. Like the rocket launcher must be huge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this story starts with uh, a woman called Danny, and she's going to a factory with her brother. And her brother's job has been placed replaced by automation. So we're really all into like very, the themes are on the nose, but they're doing them. Yeah. Uh, and they're doing them well. So from there on out, Danny is being chased by a new type of ter- Terminator. And this Terminator's catch, like the one from 2, is he has the liquid skin and he can kind of slip in and out of shit. But his his kind of ultimate catch in this is he can separate his flesh version of himself to and his skeleton. He can make a Guiji. He can make a Guiji. Oh dear. But he's the Guiji and the skeleton, the physical one, is kind of an automated thing. So it, it can drive a truck while he's doing the dirty work. Yes, and it's very clear that this is the one that's brainless because it's literally missing half its skull. Like it's okay. it's it's on the nose, uh, but it looks cool. And this Terminator is scary. Like this guy is coming at them with full force. Another person comes back from the future and i say person because it's a human augmented and this is grace and her mission is to protect danny all costs is she the girl who's like kind of built yeah this is Mackenzie davis uh it's really nice just from my perspective to kind of have a butchy looking woman on tv i think it's really cool she looks great and Mackenzie davis is like five foot like ten and she's just ripped and she's wielding a sledgehammer. It's fucking dope. <laughs> uh, best thing I can say is the action sequence. This are so tight. Like the first action sequence is uh, on a highway involving cars. And it is like edge of your seat shit. And that Terminator seems relentless. It's it's a fun watch and it's a fun action movie. It It is brave in its themes and it really puts them out there. Okay. So it's these three women trying to keep one of them safe with this relentless attacker and it is for the most part just like a really good action movie i do think it kind of lulls in the second half kind of doesn't keep the momentum going as well as it should sounds fun though it is fun is, is arnie in this as well arnie is in this and he's kind of i love the character he plays he plays a character called carl <laughs> who does drapery <laughs> what? Wait, is and so is this is Carl like the the prototype for the Terminator? Carl is one of the Terminators. Carl is the Terminator that kills John Connor. Oh no. What? But he also does drapery? He found his humanity. Oh, that's kind of cute. And, and so this is an older Terminator. Well, it's a Terminator disguised to look like an older man yeah. who does drapery. Yeah. But it's yeah, it 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 it's a front. It's a front. That okay. sounds fun. Yeah, it is fun, and there's a lot of humor to it. There's some parts of Carl's character that I found weak. Like Sarah should want to kick his ass, and she does. But I think they come to a resolution way too quickly. I right. feel like that they should be at odds way more. But as the, this as a fun action movie, this is definitely worth your time. And I don't know why people act are acting like Terminator specifically is this pinnacle of fucking action movies everywhere and this somehow has shit on its legacy this is a way more competent movie than the last three of them yeah and even like the first two movies like i I really enjoy both those movies but the first one is basically a horror movie yeah and the second one is like an action movie and then 
the other movies happen. Yeah. So I think this is like, if you like, and I think a lot of, if you Google Terminator Dark Fate right now, the first few articles and a lot of YouTube videos that will come up is that it lost a lot of money at the box office. So did the last three. Like, it just feels like there's this weird conversation about this because I think it's because there's three women as the leads and it kind of deals with like, like political teams and people are just not down for it. And it's really disappointing because if if this did well they could have gone further with it i don't think they will now but it's it's genuinely a very well choreographed high paced action movie that has a lot more to say than just nothing you know and sometimes it's a bit heavy-handed in what it's trying to say it's a terminator movie yeah but it's terminator and it's trying you know and and it looks fucking cool and the terminator's dope and scary like I think it's definitely worth your time. If I've convinced anyone, please go see it or buy it on Blu-ray. Just, you know, give it a go. Torrent it. I don't know. Watch it. Just see <laughs> no, it. No, just cycle it back a minute. We're, you're contributing to people, the problem. No, I just think people should see it like, and talk about it. Like, because there's just this one dialogue about it just sucking. And I don't think that's true at all. Just yeah. boost it. Yeah, just boost it. Brian. Yeah, oh yeah. So speaking of torrenting, I watched The Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. I went on a get a sponsor of this fucking podcast. I went I went on a website called uh, The Pirate Bay because No, uh, Brian. Disney Plus is not available in Europe. They and have And it's not available for another year okay, at least. You know what? No, that that is one thing I think. If like if uh, if a license holder does not make it accessible for you, fuck them. Yeah, like uh The Lighthouse and Parasite, those two movies like hotly anticipated like like award buzz movies are not available in Ireland until early 2020. So if you're left with no option, tough shit. Uh, so I watched The Mandalorian. I watched that sweet, sweet web rip of it. Uh, there's only one episode out at the moment. I think there's eight episodes going to be made. And they're bringing them out from now until the end of the year. And I really, really enjoyed it. Did you guys watch it? Hell no. Oh, it's on my list. It's very good. Yeah, you enjoyed it. Yeah, um, I didn't think I, I didn't know what to expect when I was watching it, and I was like, "All right, I'm down." It takes place shortly after the events of Return of the Jedi, but before Force Awakens. So the Empire has fallen, and the galaxy is rebuilding itself, and there's a, a shift in po- politics. None of that matters really, except in that characters aren't sure what currency to go with because it seems like galactic coins aren't really worth shit anymore. That's cool. That's interesting. <laughs> and you follow uh, a Mandalorian, and a Mandalorian is the bounty hunter guild in Star Wars. The most famous Mandalorian is Boba Fett. Uh, uh, sorry, Brian, that's pronounced Django Fett. Django Fett is a... Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Jar- Django Fett is Jar Jar Binks' best friend, and the two use the Enterprise to save Picard from the Wookiees. Gonna let that sink in. Yeah. Thank you, everyone. Um, <laughs> How all... expensive is this? I think it looks great. Uh, yeah. I think it's a nice blend of goofy-looking puppets and some nice uh, 3D spaceships landing on some rocky terrain, which is what you want. Mm-hmm. You know the puppet that used to sit on Jabba the Hutt's shoulder? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's in it. Oh, <laughs> So there's one of them being barbecued in a street market, no. and then the other one is in a cage looking at it going... <laughs> and I was like... That's pretty funny. Yes! Uh, you've already mentioned my favorite thing in Star Wars, and that's the street market. Just a market scene in Star Wars is the exact 
perfect thing because yeah. you get to see a little taster of all the different like cultures and yeah. aliens and foods and different things that's going on. It's great. Oh, as well, because the Empire has fallen, there's stormtroopers in it, but they don't know what to do and their suits are real dirty. <laughs> so oh, they're no. not even like like pristine white anymore. They're all like dusty. And, oh, that's cool. And there's like a few like scuffs and scratches on their armor because like they don't know. They're just like freelance assholes now. Um, so you follow a Mandalorian whose name is Din Jaren. You do not see his face. He's played by Pedro Pascal, who was in Game of Thrones as Obrin Martel. Remember him? Oh, yeah. The mountain crushed his eyes out. Yeah, yeah. He's hot, oh, and they're, yeah, yeah. they're hiding great. his face. Oh, yeah. And he barely speaks, and he's and he's playing like a Clint Eastwood kind of guy. Like, this is totally a Western. It's got, like, Cowboy like, Bebop vibes. He likes boys on girls. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you know that. Uh, is he super ripped in this? Because he looks like he bulked up for the Mandalorian. I don't know because you can't see. It's literally a fucking tin can. Like there, there, there is no, there is no skin or human flesh available on viewing pleasure for the first episode. Um, but the last five minutes, it really, really ramps up, and it had me hooked. Like, like the first episode kind of starts off, and you're kind of like, oh, right, this could just be like Han Solo movie, whatever. It takes place in the Star Wars universe. Might not be anything particularly groundbreaking but then the last five minutes you're kind of like oh this is adding to the lore this is great um you have a droid bounty hunter in it who's played by taika watiti oh fun but he's not doing a new zealand accent and i didn't know it was taika watiti unless you like sought out the information but he plays this really weird droid who doesn't have a front or a back he rotates 360 degrees to aim at whatever he needs to. There's something very frightening about that. And so he's walking around, and I would describe him as, I guess, like, a, like, fold-out, like, collapsible, like, you, you know when you need to hang up all your laundry on one of those, like, like a laundry? clothes horse? Yeah, it's like a clothes horse, but, like, but like, a, like a circular clothes horse, but as a droid, where, like, his arms are on a rail, Oh. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's also real into, like, self-destructing because, like, he's on a mission, but he can't get captured because his tech is so, like, coveted that, like, if if he knows he's going to lose, he's going to start his countdown. And the main guy hates droids, which I think is very funny. There's a bit where, like, he uh, he, he, uh, he, he gets into a speeder, but then he sees that there's an R2 unit in the speeder, and he's like, no, not that one. I'd rather just go with a, you know, a life form driving the car please i don't trust droids so weird that's weird that's yeah. never been a thing in star wars yeah um so, the comics. so he's he's definitely got a chip in his shoulder about a couple things there's there's a bit where they show a flashback that bit's just padding i don't know hmm. um but the last like minute of the episode they have a hook and you're like sold has has anyone mentioned skywalker or no. jedi um there might be Jedi in this show. Okay. Would you want Skywalkers in it, Neve? Well, given that it's in directly within this timeline, not. I don't know. No, I wouldn't want Star- Skywalkers, but I wouldn't mind someone like. Because when I think of spinoffs like this, sometimes like I think if they were to do a Game of Thrones spinoff, which they are, like what kind of shit would I want to see? And I'd want like, I'd want a spinoff series set exclusively in one of the just fucking mud villages, and just 
everyone just miserable and the politics of that village and I don't want to see any Lannisters I don't want to see any Starks you don't have to see them but the Lannisters and Starks are so influential in the like world that they would probably mention them even oh, just yeah, to yeah, be yeah. like no totally totally dicks, yeah. You know? okay yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you uh, you don't you don't want Skywalkers to appear you want the echoes of Skywalkers uh, yeah, felt yeah it's just like more kind of acknowledgement of what has happened yeah because yeah, there's repercussions their, yeah, and their to role yeah, in it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. In the first episode of the show, they managed to walk the line of kind of acknowledging a more established universe while also building up its own thing. Okay. Cool. Um, and but you're this into is, this. Yeah, but this is only the first episode. It Should could be like this, Brian? Yeah, I don't see why not. Do you feel it's closer to Force Awakens or the older stuff? Like, where, where visually and just tonally, where do you kind okay. of put this? Visually, it looks like Force Awakens. Okay. Tonally, it's like Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Because it's cool. a bit edgy. Maybe. Okay, yeah, because I, I, a lot of the new Star Wars films, I feel like they do have that kind of family-friendly sheen to no, them. No, this isn't family-friendly. Interesting. This, this is, like, like it is written by Jon Favreau, who made, like, the first two Iron Man movies and made that, that Lion King movie that came out this year. Oh. But it's got different directors every episode. I think, like, each director gets two episodes. Mm -hmm. So the guy who directed the first episode, because I found this super interesting. I'm just going to get the director's name up. He's a guy called Dave Filoni. And this is the first live-action thing he's ever directed. He's, like, an animator? He is a storyboard artist and animator and director on The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra. That is so cool. And then Ron Howard's daughter, Bryce Dallas Howard, she's directing two episodes as well. Okay. Um, because she's gotten into directing. I don't. It, it, it seems like they're giving everyone a shot. Yeah, I mean, may as well. It's their TV show. Yeah. Um. So I'm going in with an open mind, and I'm. I'm. I'm gonna. I'm, I'll see where the show goes. Cool. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hop into. I was gonna do it anyway, but you've actually yeah. got me excited about it now. There's a big Star Wars question that people have always asked, and I think they're gonna answer. Does it. Leia have force powers? <laughs> she has force powers. No, no. It's 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 it, 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 it's about a different thing, and. It's like a long-running thing that, like, it's a 40-year-old question. And can you say it? No. Okay. Guys, I also uh, checked out an animated, no, a live-action adaptation of a classic beloved series. I checked out Watchmen. Oh, yeah? Yeah. They fucking ruined Watchmen. (laughs) John. Put politics in Watchmen. John. Can't fucking believe it. Watchmen, the most apolitical comic of all time, and they're after ruining it with their fucking agendas, and I, I'm just, I'm just so mad I could toot. John, I'm not liking this bit. <laughs> toot toot. Um, so I've watched three episodes of Watchmen, and fuck, I really like that TV show. Yeah. A whole bunch. <laughs> Did you like yeah. the third episode? The third. The th- okay, so episodes one and two, pretty good. Like they're they're cool. Episode 3 is when I started going, oh fuck, this is really something. Okay, I haven't seen 3 yet. Okay. The, yeah, the, the, bit, the bit with the briefcase. The bit with the briefcase. She opens up the briefcase. Jesus Christ. Okay, so here's how shocking that bit was. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. And then I was like, but maybe it's like a flask or something. And I came to the conclusion in my mind, I have to ask Brian if what I think I saw is what I saw, and I'm guessing by your reaction, it was. Uh, I, I'd rather not say. Yeah. I, 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 I kind of want to let I'd the show... I'd rather let people find out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the show needs to air all its episodes before we do a full dissection of specific scenes mm-hmm. in it. But um, I guess the angle of this I really loved. I'm going to go into a little bit like the plot of the third episode, but um, it features... Uh, 
basically Silk Spectre from Watchmen, and um, she wasn't really that interesting a character in the old one. She was kind of like she, yeah, she's a prop. She was a romantic object for like, mm-hmm. like you know, various characters in it. But this is like how many years later, Brian? Uh, so it's 2019, and the events of Watchmen took place in the late 80s. So 33, 34 years later. Yeah, but not 35. She is now a hardened like. FBI agent. Yep. And she fucking hates superheroes. Okay. And it's played by this actor who is so fantastic. Because the way the first scene of the third episode rolls out, you nearly think she's maybe going to be a temporary character. You know what I mean, Brian? No, she's definitely sticking around. But, like, she's so good in that two-minute segment. I'm like, why did they hire such a fucking good actor for just, like, nothing? And then it's like, oh, oh no, she's... She's sticking around. I really like that she has her own music as well. Like Trent really knocked Trent and Attic is knocked oh, out of the park. It's such a good soundtrack. Yeah, yeah I could I I knew immediately it was Same. those guys. Like yeah. it's just it's great. And um I feel like I've kind of been like I've really been looking for that kind of killer television program. Like there's no TV program that's really like setting me alight right now. Um after that third episode, I think like this totally has the potential to be it. It's very grim. It's very rough. There's a lot of shit about like racial pressure, about like the role of police in society. There, it, like it gets violent and grim, and like it is, it is a tough watch in places. But it also has this really like just completely ridiculous side that this is this is still a world where a giant squid appeared in the middle of New York City, and there was a blue god man who could do anything, and it's really it's great i'm having such a good time with it are you enjoying jeremy irons in the show so much <laughs> just just uh, just a man living his life yeah um i was disappointed to see the kind of reaction to it online have you seen any of that at all yeah no um it's just a lot of people very angry over the kind of direction that like they've taken it and like specifically with the role of like white supremacists being the um, being the bad guy, and some people are just angry that white supremacists are the bad guy because you know white supremacists they have like feelings and opinions too, Whoa. which is fucking insane, and it's just one of those things that makes me like, what what are we doing? No, you know? take the piss out of them, drag them through the mud, yeah, fuck, fuck them. them, whatever, Jesus. But then there's other people who are annoyed because of like saying, well, Rorschach wasn't actually a white supremacist. And like he was the most hateful fucking he, dude. No, he wasn't a white supremacist, but he was like a bigoted conservative asshole. And I f- love Rorschach. He's like mm. my favorite character from that fucking thing. He's an awful human. He's absolutely terrible. But he's so totally someone that someone would take out of context. Which is what why it's great. These characters have done these mm-hmm. stupid white supremacist motherfuckers in the show have like misinterpreted Rorschach and yeah, like because 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 his journals got published yeah. and it's in this like shitty little and, paperback. Like, I think the correct interpretation of Rorschach still leaves him as like a, a pretty shitty person, mm-hmm. but like they've taken it to this ridiculous racist extreme and now they're the kind of bad guys, and so like. I don't think the show is necessarily calling him like a white supremacist, but it is showing you how like. If you're, like, kind of fucked up, your shit gets taken out of context, and you attract an audience that maybe you don't need to... Like, tin hat conspiracy theorists are... They, they, they have an audience. There's, like... And so, like, I've seen a lot 
about this online and like in a way it's so disappointing because like you know I, I fucking love television I really love television and like the camera shots in this there's so many great performances the music is fantastic this is a beautifully made TV show and it sucks to me that like people are upset they're like oh Watchmen's woke or whatever the fuck you know like this is a great go TV show go woke it broke go woke it broke and it's also like my god like have you read the the Watchmen comic like yeah. I really like how they take the piss out of the Zack Snyder movie with the with with the hooded justice episode of American Hero Story I loved that and it's just like an oversaturated slow motion like bone crunching sound effect like breakdown of like a bit that's in the Hollis Mason um, biopic or you know like his yeah. book that he wrote where he talks about hooded justice like starting off as a superhero and he just saves like a a a a, a, a hold up in a supermarket and it's just yeah. And it's just done it's done in the Zack Snyder style and it's like <laughs> it's them acknowledging like yeah where Watchmen's been. Because it's kinda cool because that nearly paints like the Zack Snyder movie as like a movie that happened in universe. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's it's fun. Um and I, I really like the new characters. I like Glass. Looking Glass amazing. Don't you have any emotions, Glass? Then why am I crying under this mask? There's a really good bit, I think it's in episode 3, where Looking Glass is, like, wiping the sweat off him. But he's wiping the sweat off, he's still wearing the mask, and he's dabbing his forehead. Because the mask is so important to him. And that Sil- it's just an extension of his face. The woman who used to be Silk Spectre, her ability to, like, disarm, like, the masked cops or the superheroes is, like, amazing. Like, she's so cutting and severe with everything she says and oh just like give me lots of her for the rest of the season i really like her and pd the assistant uh fbi guy because they have a good back and forth and like she'll kind of diss him but like maybe yeah. one in five times he'll diss back yeah and he'll and, get her and, he'll be, and she'll be like because i thought their right. dynamic was going to be like she knows everything he's like the kind of bumbling idiot but no he actually does kind of push back in her a bit and it's kind of yeah. cool yeah. then they fuck immediately <laughs> It's a great show. Um, <laughs> I'd really, I'd really encourage people to check it out. Like, um, I, I, like the first, the first episode, I was like, all right. The second, I was kind of like, I guess I'll check out the second episode, and I was a bit more into that. But it was really the third episode where it kind of took off for me in a big way, and I'm very, very excited to watch more. So, really high on Watchmen. Um, you guys talked about it before. How are you feeling about it now? Still good. Episode four is amazing. I've only watched episode two, so I'm like have to catch up with you guys, but I'm still on board. I think it's great. Yeah. I totally get what you meant by like you watch that first episode and you're like, Whoa, what the fuck? Mm, you're like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, I'm really like looking forward to just like think pieces and people talking about this as it's done. I think it's gonna create a lot of good writing for and against it and yeah. like and I'm not talking about the people who are just using it as fodder for their outrage. For the people who are like who will write good things positively and negatively yeah. about it. I, it. It seems like something that will be examined. And I think that's really exciting for a TV show to bring that. Yeah, for sure. And like, to me, each episode has its own self-contained story. And the way it's set out is that se- it, it, it's it's one season. If it gets a season two, that's great. But the whole season is going to have a beginning, middle and end. Um, but I feel each episode is kind of, they're all separate to each other. It's not like you need to watch a couple episodes in a row to get like a bigger picture. Yeah, you're kind of right. Like the third episode could have been like the first episode of the series. Yeah. But um I'm I'm really really looking forward to more of it. Neve. Oh no, wait. Uh-oh. I'm done. Okay, guys, I watched 
Has been hotel. Oh yeah. Have you guys heard of this? No. I, I, I know what this is. Yeah. So I know only a little bit about like its background, but basically this is an. 30 minute animated pilot I know what this is yeah. from a very popular tw- DeviantArt Twitter who the fuck is she? She, she she was big on DeviantArt back in the day I and thought so yeah she's still going and this is like a, a passion project that's been like the better part of a decade in, in the making yeah um, and it's like I saw some people on like our discord and stuff recommending it and um, I also saw a lot of videos about it on YouTube I didn't watch any of them but I was like why does this keep coming up yeah and so I decided to check it out what do you guys know about this I, I scrubbed through it I couldn't watch all of it but I, I tried to watch some of it and I thought it was visually unappealing so this movie this this pilot is like if you got 2007 era MySpace to make a pilot, <laughs> that's not a criticism. That's not praise. That's just a fact. Just what this is. This is a movie made by people who love like Squee or Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, where like everything's very kind of dark and vulgar and violent, but then it has this like hyper, hyper cutesy undertone where, like, characters are talking about, like, rainbows and unicorns and all this kind of stuff as well. Like, this felt like such a kind of blast from the past. So it it feels like walking into a mid-2000s hot topic. A hundred. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Okay, this is the kind of thing it is. Three out of the four main characters are wearing bow ties. I literally was thinking, I bet you they've had arguments about what characters got to wear the top hats. Because it's that long, slinky design yep. of every character. I, I So, like, I didn't watch it properly, but I found it difficult to tell the characters apart because they all have very similar silhouettes. Yeah. And they all have that long, very kind of skinny yeah, they're all, tails. Yeah, they're all, they're all, they're all, like, they're all, few, they're all few, shaped like Jack Skellington. Yeah. yeah. There's a few monsters that look differently, but, like, any character that matters is generally, like, that shape. Um, I didn't hate how it looked. Like there, I liked the color design, and there was some like incidental characters I really liked the designs of. But if someone, it is also the kind of thing like if this is not someone's visual cup of tea, it is all that. Mm-hmm. There's a few like interesting mixed media pieces in it that I thought like there was a really nice one towards the end, kind of explaining a certain character like who he was, and that was kind of cool. Um, like. I was, like, intrigued because, like, it's different to anything else. But, like, in terms of, like, stuff that is my cup of tea or not my cup of tea, like, this is not a show for me. Like, at all. There's cool things about it. Like, um, main characters, lesbians. That's kind of fun. They're kind of cute, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm really struggling. Um, I, I, I'm just really curious, like... It's over 30 minutes long, yeah. and it's a pilot. Yeah. Usually when you have a proof of concept with animation, um, a pilot is 11 minutes max. Mm-hmm. Now in animation, and like, I, I don't think this is made by people in the industry. I think it's made by like... I think this could have been funded by outside people as could well. Have been, like, yeah. and, it, and it kind of has the thing where some shots like are absolutely like very well animated, like okay. great acting, mm-hmm. really expressive. And then the next couple of shots will be like, quite rough and like characters kind of going off model and stuff like I, that. I saw one or two shots where the character wasn't locked down to the background so when the camera move happened they slid. Yeah. Um, We've got Compra's eyes so we will always notice that. I I unfortunately QC check every frame. You got it. It's burned yeah, into me. You got it. Yeah. Um, my concern is that 
you can't actually make a 22 animated 22 minute animated tv show anymore there's a new kind of regulation put in where like with broadcast standards with animation it it has to be uh, 11 minutes long or you do two 11 minute shows um and so there are shows that are 22 minutes long but that's because they're pre 2018 but I think in the last two years they brought in a new thing with animated animation broadcast is it like a like a genuine regulation or is it just a style thing a bit of both it just seems to be well like is it a law or isn't it it seems to stem from the animation guild in uh, in Hollywood right right um where new shows can't be 22 minutes long well like if they wanted to break this into like an 11 minute show or 22 minute show they could like there's nothing yeah very complicated in the story because yeah, to me the pilot looked like it was three 11 minute shows uh no it's or, pretty but, succinct like it all kind of it's flows as the one storyline it's basically like they all exist it's like the main character is the princess of hell and her and her girlfriend want to start it off at this halfway hotel which basically like re rehabs demons to be good again um it's kind of it's really on the nose and kind of pretty corny in that way and um yeah it's it's a weird one i think i guess i'm kind of interested in its existence but i not really like it doesn't appeal nothing about it really yeah, yeah it, i it's feel like cool i'm way not like i'm not the age that like that this would appeal to yeah at all. yeah for and sure just aesthetically i'm visually not interested in it but just as someone making a 30 minute pilot like and like and kind of crowdfunding and yeah. like an independent piece of animation that people are hype about that's like really really cool it has like 10 million views yeah nice i wow. wonder if the the goal of it was to get it picked up like yeah they cause... released an update video kind of being like um oh this is really cool and people are asking like when's episode two out and the next dance and the answer is like we kind of just have to wait to see what happens yeah um, they're probably looking for funding to some degree. Yeah, uh, like yeah, because this Netflix clearly or has Swim an audience because like it had 10, minute, 10 million views and the reaction was overwhelmingly mm-hmm. positive. So I guess I'm more curious to just kind of like see how it does from afar and see like you know what this goes on to be as opposed to like a piece of entertainment I'm really going to enjoy. Uh, there's parts of it I thought looked cool, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. I saw like there's a bunch of drama about the girl who made it as well. I looked into it a little bit and it mostly seems to amount to like she drew some stupid shit like a couple of years ago. Who gives a fuck? That That's everybody on the internet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, I know uh, the creator of Steve Universe, Rebecca Sugar, she was into the Ed, Ed and Eddie fandom. Cancelled. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we're starting here everybody. Hashtag no sugar in my tea. <laughs> I only like milk in my tea anyway, so yeah. uh, just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Cartoons are really like really hard to make yeah and so when like I, it, it, it's a huge achievement to make one and when it comes out and it's not someone's cup of tea just keeping it on the well, tea like, thing I kinda, that's saying, mm-hmm. i have to kind of respect like what it is mm. like they yeah, made like a 30 minute fucking show that does not look like total dog shit you know that's yeah. very difficult like they made it to a standard and there's obviously a lot of passion behind it and i guess that's that's what's really keeping me from being super negative about it. Do you know what I mean? I feel like teenagers might might love it or something. I just feel like it's just so not something I would ever care about. Yeah. So it's Same. it's it's very it's difficult to talk about it when you're just like I know that's not for me. Yeah. yeah. 
Like, that's nice. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but also, like, I feel like, in a way, it's nearly like, there's only so much you can criticize it then without being like, it should be for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's, I'm like, I'm just like, there is nothing that these guys could do, could, like, improve about this show that would make it more for me. If you like DeviantArt, period, the height of DeviantArt, if you were involved in it, then then you've probably already seen this. And if you're into independent animation and want to look like what it would look like if you and a bunch of friends or a bunch of people across the internet really joined forces and tried to create something independently, this could be it. Like, you know, warts and all, like it's beautiful shots and it's worse shots. Like it's it's probably a proof of concept that this is doable and that's probably the coolest thing about it for me. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 100%. But yeah, like fair play to them. Guys, let's say we move into some strategy talk. So, when are we going to talk about it? Do you want to just get straight into it? Yeah, it's uh, it's the most anticipated uh, hot topic of the hot topic has come up again. Now. Uh, <laughs> game game this year. Okay, you good to just let's dive in, Eve? Yeah, let's let's, let's fucking do it. do it. Luigi's Mansion Three came out this week, and both me and Brian have been playing it. I love this game. Really? I just tell us about Luigi's Mansion Three, Brian. Um. This is the third Luigi's Mansion game. It is made by Next Level Games. I'm just shocked. (laughs) It's made by Next Level Games, who are a Vancouver-based studio subcontracted to make a... Well, I guess not subcontract, but they... Was there a Luigi's Mansion arcade game? Oh, yeah. So this is the fourth Luigi's Mansion. Um, The Luigi's Mansion arcade game just uses the Dark Moon assets, and it's not canon. Oh. I love that. It's like Miyamoto was just like... This isn't up to the high standard of the lore. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually played the Luigi's Mansion arcade game like three weeks ago in, in Santa Monica. I love that oh, arcade cool. game so much. Is it good? I played it like five times. It's in every like arcade. It's in Dave and Buster's. Um, Luigi's Mansion 3 takes place in a hotel and it does the same kind of setup where it's like you're looking into like a dollhouse. Luigi's Mansion is set in a hotel. Mansion could be a hotel. Yeah. A hotel isn't a type of building. It's a business that happens in a building. In the second Luigi's... You know Luigi's, what? You're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> in, in, in the second Luigi's Mansion, it's level-based. And one of the levels is a mansion. And the other one is like a warehouse. Okay. Oh, it, I don't like that. Yeah. So, like, it should be called Luigi's Building. But the, the, it's Luigi's <laughs> Mansion. Warehouses and sewers are just these things that just baffle me in video games. Like, the idea that a group of designers sit around and go... No, we'll put a fucking sewer level in. Like it, why? And I hate sewer levels. Like, yeah. like you could, you could put your game literally in any location that you can visualize. Not even exists, but that just anything. And you're like, well, we'll have a bunch of shit and water and rats. Like, okay, this game <laughs> is a, this game is approximately ninety nine percent internal in its location. There's a bit where you're on the roof, and there's an opening cutscene where you're outside of the hotel. But for the majority of the game, you are within the walls, except for one or two bits where you have to walk along outside the window. But you are inside a very well-designed interior of a game. And I think it's a love hotel, because all the, flo- <laughs> because all the floors are themed. Okay. It's like... There's a there's a there's a pyramid floor and they got like a desert and everything with a pyramid. There's a there's 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 a pirate floor. I've stayed in a themed hotel that wasn't a love hotel. You so. sure now, Neve. Well, love happens, 
but (laughs) (laughs) but it wasn't it was also not advertised that way yeah this this is just a very eccentric hotel and it's weird because like some of the floors are like way wider than the others but when you see the exterior of the hotel it's like a, a like a jenga block where like some of them are just like fatter than others oh as, as you kind of like go up each floor I ever talk about that super horny hotel room i stayed in oh i've seen the photos yes yeah. and you haven't mentioned it on the podcast okay yeah this is the crunchyroll awards they put me up in this hotel um and i went in the front door and it was literally like a nightclub and i was like oh fucking kill me because i'm just like in la by myself for like three days and then i go up to the hotel room and like it's actually really nice i'm like oh fuck okay but um the apple like tv immediately turns on when you enter the room and i was looking looking through its options and there was like free porn which i didn't watch and there was also a camera and you could go through the camera and see pictures of everyone who had stayed there oh no what is like like were they like no were they were they like raunchy? posing and okay. they knew nothing too raunchy i don't think but like so the camera was there for you to actively you know take a picture of yourself and it was pointed at the bed yeah. Oh my god, that's so, so weird and fucky. So, so John, the bed you slept in, people have slammed so fucking hard in that bed. Of course, it's a hotel. People have probably killed themselves in that bed. <laughs> oh my god. I get I get dark when I think about hotels. Yeah. Okay, listen. Oh my god, okay. that's such a terrible. The sex hotel is the one you do it in. Yeah. Um. You but ju- you just fucking but, you so just go wild. Everything in this room was so horny because it had like little little like like personalized like messages on everything and so like the 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 shampoo and soap would say like lather me up baby and it was all like sexual innuendo and i was like wow i really feel like this hotel room wants to fuck me and i didn't like it because how would that even work well you've seen the shining it can embody a spirit did, did you check in and were they like, are you here for pleasure or no, pleasure? I <laughs> oh, I hope, I hope they say that. That'd be so good. Did they have like, you know, body chocolate and you just put they it on They did your, have body chocolate. Did you, did they legit it, did. It was part of the service. Really? Did you put yeah, it on yeah. your arm and eat it? No, I didn't. I don't. I don't. I, just body chocolate is just sticky and disgusting. I think. Okay, look, I think in a lesser moment I might have actually ate the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> I was in LA by myself. I was lonely. I missed my friends. You just squirted it right into your mouth. I had to go to a Crunchyroll award and a homeless lady screamed at me. Ever tell you about that? No. I was walking down the street and like I, I, I left the Crunchyroll yeah, award. Yeah, because it was on Hollywood Boulevard, wasn't yeah, it? it was. I had to, I left the Crunchyroll. And man, even getting out of the Crunchyroll awards was such a nightmare because they put you in this green room with all the other like influencers. And if you step outside the green room, like... Some little girl with a clipboard comes up to you and she's like, like Super Eye Patch Wolf, it's so great to have you here. Can I ask where you're going? <laughs> get back in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I had to sneak out of there and I was going to get a drink in like one of the local 7-Elevens or whatever. And on my way back, like I was in a suit and everything and I walked by this woman and she was like, hey, handsome, how's it going? And I didn't say anything. I walked by her and the second I walked by her, she goes, motherfucker, I'm talking to you. She was trying to hustle you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she was trying but um yeah i really felt like that hotel room was like flirting with me i didn't know how to take that i think that's so funny that that's the hotel they picked to put the guests in yeah it's kind of a weird power move for people who are into anime yeah yeah it was a nice hotel room it's ironic because those people never get sex it had like um no yeah no 
It, it had like condoms, but they were on a pressure sensitive plate. And so, so they charge you? It would charge you the second you picked up the condoms. So if you want a bone, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> condoms should be free. They yeah, they, no, they really should. Mm-hmm. Things that go on or in you down there should be free. That's how it is. Practice safe sex, kids. Yeah, just... I feel like we're getting into anecdotes no, that no. I really don't want to tell on this <laughs> okay, podcast. Speaking of safe sex, Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a guy that fucks gently... <laughs> you want to talk with... about a guy who fucks like a newborn deer. <laughs> talk about like a, a cautiously sexual man. <laughs> we have Luigi Mario. <laughs> oh, Luigi Mario. One time he saw a porn mag and he was like, uh oh, and closed <laughs> it. <laughs> um, this game plays real nice. Um,. I played it in three sittings and I beat it. I over a weekend. I I I got. I I I I I went in deep. I did blast playing this, and it's absolutely one of my favorite games this year. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's gonna be in my my top six. Is that what we do? Number six. Yeah. Yeah. Because we can't have a top five. That's because if you put them all together, you get six, six, six. Whoa. <laughs> that's pretty badass. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, pretty badass. Yeah. Um. This game is just, you go into a room and you wreck, you just fucking toss the bitch. It's so satisfying. You just, you just trash it. You want to suck like an entire dressing gown into a Hoover. Yeah. Because you can do that. And in the previous, like, in the original game, you go into like, for example, the kitchen and you would Hoover the, the table with all the cutlery laid out inside and it would just rattle. But with this, everything is individually modeled and placed in the room you just fucking trash the place. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. It's fucking beautiful as yeah, well. Yeah, it's like, one of the nicest looking shit, games. Holy shit, it looks so good. Like, it's, the art direction. Yeah, it's and, like, polished the, to the nth the degree. The physics of everything, like, rattling and rolling around is it's cool. Yeah, um, the game is incredibly linear, although I'm looking forward to the speed running where they sequence break it. Oh, that'll be fun. Um, so there are certain sections where you're like, oh, this bit drags, but then, like, maybe uh, the following bit doesn't. But, like, each floor is approximately one hour to complete and it is 15 floors. You could beat it in 12 if you just, like, don't mess up the rooms. But, like, I would go into each room and I would just destroy it. There was one room in which they, they gave you a chainsaw attachment to put onto, oh the, my God. To put onto the to put onto the vacuum cleaner. And I just shredded that bed. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm about three or four hours into it. Um, I wouldn't say I'm, like massively taken with it I think it's very charming um, I have some trouble with the controls I think it, it does control kind of awkwardly the default controls are terrible yeah they're not um, great. you can, can you go change in them oh yeah you can um, so I've gone in and I've changed the twin stick setup so that the, the 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 one that like changes Luigi's direction can only change it horizontally and if I change it vertically I need to use the actual like uh 3D motion in the Joy-Con to, to tilt it up and down. Yeah. So I play it like Splatoon. Because the default controls, it's the controls are relative to the direction Luigi is facing. Ooh, yeah. Don't so, like that. Yeah, and like it's not top down at all. So you could press left and he'll turn right. Okay. Yeah. But he could also, depending on his position, turn left. Also So it's like tank controls? Kinda? Yeah, it, it, yes. it is kinda like Okay. But They've also set it up in a way that it's got the four face buttons, you know, your A, B, X, and Y. Mm-hmm. But you're, you've got four shoulder buttons as well, and they do the same actions as the face buttons. 
So I don't touch the face buttons at all. I don't know why you would touch the face buttons. Yeah. Like, that's because you can't hit the right stick and your face buttons. No, you can't. So I think they just should have disabled them. Yeah, they should have. Um, but there, there is there is customization options yeah. to play. Yeah, to like play there's it there's workarounds to all mm. the control issues. But um, yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to spend some more time with it. It's it's very charming and it is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. There are what? some like frustrating floors, but then the standout floors are really really good set pieces. So like you've told me that you'd like to go in and trash rooms. Like what is the goal he's a ghostbuster he's going in to suck out the ghosts of every yeah. room but the game rewards you with like coins okay and with that you can you can upgrade your your vacuum cleaner but uh i don't know what it does it, it makes finding the collectibles easier okay and i think it does reward you at the end kind of like what the wario games do where it's like it's it, 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 it's it's also a treasure hunting game yeah that's i think one of the things i'm getting stuck on a little bit it's like I'm not really sure what's really motivating me to kind of do this stuff. Do you know what I mean? For me, it's just I'm a neat freak and I like a tidy room. And it's so fun to just do the opposite and just Keenan and Kale a room. Like, <laughs> just fucking toss it. There's something so satisfying. Like, you know how you play Muso games and it's like you get to, like, push everyone out of your way? I did hear a thing once that, like the vast majority of games are essentially exercises in tidying up hmm. and that yeah. yeah that kind of made kind of upset me in a way and the whole thing with Luigi's Mansion is you, you like you are just making crime scenes in every room it's it's very funny yeah no it's, do you meet people or other characters is Luigi yeah. mostly alone he's mostly alone um it's very cool so he has Professor Egad who's been in the previous games who built the Poltergust 3000. I think this is Poltergust X2 at this point. But he talks to you via a virtual boy. And you actually have like uh, slots for the virtual boy. And they are shaped like the virtual boy cartridges. And I love that detail that the N- Nintendo are still acknowledging that failure of a console. <laughs> I think of which they actually I made fun of it, didn't they? Oh yeah, they do. Yeah, like in, in Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. Um, and there's toads you find. And like it's Luigi, Mario, Princess Peach... Uh, or all staying at the hotel, so they're all trapped in paintings, which has happened previously before. And like, it's definitely Luigi's story. Like, it, 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 story. It's, it's got Mario in it towards the end, and they've got some good antics with the two brothers. And you've got King Boo in it. King Boo is always there. New best character, Luigi. Luigi's amazing. Um, I really, really like the idea that you switch between Luigi and Luigi, and Luigi has like shit HP. But he can like go between sewer gratings, and he's like immune to certain uh, like hazards in the hotel on in certain floors. Like he can walk through spikes and stuff. Um, and so you can do two player co op if you want, or you can solve the puzzles by just taking turns with both characters. But there are some clever puzzles in the game. Oh, totally, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I'm looking forward to playing more. Right. How high do you think it's ranking on your like game of the year? Yeah, stuff? do I need to play this? I can lend you my copy. Um, okay. I, 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 I think this is a very well polished game, and I'm very impressed with it. And it's one of my favorite games this year. I'd say okay. four out of five chance the evil kind of be like, yeah, yeah, polished I, Nintendo I, I, game, I, I, and then I, one out of five that you'd actually be like, oh, this is really cool. I, I think as someone who likes very well modeled interiors and sets. Mm. Oh yeah, because everything's like basically like a little dollhouse yeah like it it, it really is a dollhouse it's like going through like sylvanian families or something oh you've said the right word sylvanian families yeah Yeah. (laughs) it it totally has that feel 
Um, and I just love that like each floor is completely different to the other floor. And like it's got a basement, but the basement like gimmick is so fun. I was so down for it. And like you're just like you're you're playing that floor like completely different to every other floor. And all the floors are done out of order because all the buttons on the elevator are missing. So you just kind of do the floors in random order. Where like you start on like maybe the first or second floor, but all of a sudden you're going up to the eighth, and then you're going back down. And so each just... floor is kind of like its own mini dungeon. Yeah, cool. I, I I I really really like this game. It's cool. So I guess it's time to talk about Death Stranding, the Hideo Kojima masterpiece, the last game you'll ever need. I think about this game a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm qu- I'm quite fond of it. I'm not sure I am. I go back and forth a lot. Oh, I'm not playing this anymore. I'm quite fond of it. <laughs> How many hours have you guys played? 36 and I'm towards the end of chapter 3. Chapter 3 is incredibly long. Yeah. It's insanely long. Because I feel like I've been on chapter 2 for a couple of hours now. And it just keeps being like... <laughs> bad news Sam we need you to go back to where you came from but even further this time and I'm like okay and it's like been ping ponging me across the map and I just got my motorcycle I think conceptually there's so much about this game I think it's really cool and I respect it and like I do even enjoy it you know what I mean like there I there was one part where like it was early on in the game I didn't know how easy the mules were to take down the mules are like enemy postmen yeah just bandits you're Norman Reedus you're traveling across the post-apocalypse people, I'm sure people know this game yeah uh, yeah like let, let, let's let skip the first five minutes of Death Stranding talk and like yep. let's say we're you know like people so, are playing along with us the mules were chasing me I didn't know how easy they were to take down and I was like oh shit and they were like kind of chasing me across this kind of perilous cliff face and I didn't know what to do and then like the idea hit me I should just abseil away from them and so, like, I planted my hook and I abseiled down the hill and got away from them. That's maybe one of the most satisfying moments I've had in games all year. Like, this traversal mechanic, I really loved. If I'm honest, I know my gaming habits and I know, like, this isn't a conscious decision. This is just knowing the way I play games I think as soon as something new comes along that will take my attention more than this, I'm probably going to drop this game. And that's not that I dislike it. It's just, I think sometimes the game just gives me too little and asks too much. Where I am in the game, I've played 27 hours and I'm at the beginning of chapter 5. So you've like pushed forward throughout a, a yeah. lot of this. Um, I did some of the optional stuff, but I really wanted to see, you know, what the core uh, like main missions are like. Mm-hmm. And so the area you brought into in chapter three is also where chapter five begins. Like that is a big chunk of the game and it's, it's quite a large area. You're tr- and you, you are playing as Norman Reedus, who's called Sam Porter Bridges. You're going across America. America is approximately the size of Phoenix Park. Yeah. yeah. It's not a big America. You walk from what is New York to Chicago in 40 which, minutes. Which I'm cool with. Like, yeah. I get it. Um, I really, really wanted to like go in deep with this game last weekend. Like, I just 
shut myself out and I really same. I, 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 I just wanted to see I felt like when we talked you weren't feeling it no um, I so I got to the beginning of chapter 5 and it's kind of setting up what I have to do next not interested in it at all um, but there's things I like about this game but like I am not this game's audience it is I think if you're into survival crafting and Euro simulators, like that's Euro truck simulator, Euro bridge simulator. I I just and I I really I I'm glad this game exists, um, but I'm not its audience. But I do, I'm I as I said, I'm fond of it. Leave where are you with this game? Okay. So I think the first question you got to ask is Hideo Kojima says this is a new type of game. This is a strand game. So I'm going to ask both of you, what does that mean? What does a strand game mean from what you've seen? Because to me, a strand game is a terrain management sim. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you were given a terrain that looks closer to Iceland, maybe Ireland, a lot of the Burren. It, 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 it's, it's got the Giant's Causeway in there as well. Yeah, yeah, there is a Giant's Causeway bit. Yeah. So it's very, like, maybe mountain-esque like Iceland, but, like, lowlands like Ireland. Yeah. Which I, I quite like to see that visualized in a video game. We don't get that visualized. There's it's a lot very, of rain. It feels familiar. Yeah, it feels a bit like Scotland as well with the hills. It, yeah. it, it, it is Northern European, but a bit of continental as well. And from my understanding of what a strand game is, it's it's... It's fetch quests, but not just moving things from A to B. It's moving things as the gameplay. You have a scanner, you press R1, and it will give you little blops. So, like, you got your blue, yellow, and red, and it's basically the difficulty of the terrain for you to kind of progress over. You can use your shoulder buttons to brace yourself and to hold on to your bag. So right le- right shoulder is your right hand going to your bag and left shoulder is your left hand going to your bag. Yeah, I have just... a question. Mm-hmm. I feel like most of the time I'm just bracing all the time. I brace all the time as yeah, well. Same. It's the best way to play until you get your leg support. Yeah. That's that. That's kind of why I shotgunned it to chapter three because I mm-hmm. heard that that's where you get the, the enhancements. Yeah. So it's there, there's no point doing the optional stuff so in chapter two. So what the enhancements two. do? So the enhancements I have, like the more missions you do for each place, and I, if anyone playing this and just John as well, get to chapter three as fast as possible because chapter three is the is where you start getting stuff that makes the game easier. You get like your boots are now boots level two, and you get like an endoskeleton basically that makes you fall over less. And, and, more and it doubles people, your lifting weight. Yeah, it doubles your lifting. And more people are creating things around you. So there's now roads, you know, for you to travel on. Right. Yeah. Now, 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 the roads aren't like you can't just create a road anywhere. It's like it's a unit you fund that builds a road from one end of the giant map to the other. And there's a couple of missions where you have to, like, fund the road. And so you can get it started. But, like, completing that entire road probably takes a lot of time like it'd be like a cookie clicker kind of time right right i i'm sure someone's done it but it, it takes a special kind of person to do that mm, right yeah, you'd yeah. need a certain kind of discipline that i don't know if we have so your biggest enemy is rocks and rivers mm-hmm. you know it's yeah. the current 
um, of a river taking you downstream and knocking everything you have on your back off There is you. a very specific kind of despair watching your packets float downstream. Yeah, you're just like, well, fuck that. I feel yeah. like, like you're like, it nearly, it kind of makes you want to rage quit sometimes. Like, I'm just like, well, there it fucking all goes. Yeah. Bye-bye. It's definitely worth playing online as well because I find that I'll go to um, a warehouse or I guess like a warehouse city that I've been going to and fro but if, if I check the online cache, cache um, people have left stuff in there and so I'll deliver it and I'll get points because it's very hard to do it offline and mm-hmm. build up your ranking yeah, that I'd way. So. so to me the Strand game is terrain management with asynchronous multiplayer. So this is stuff that you can leave down in the world. You get ladders, you get climbing ropes, and other players will use it and like it. And other players will leave stuff for you, like Brian said, in a locker that you can help re-deliver these things and kind of get partial likes for that or plus likes if you go the full journey. Yeah. And that to me is the powerful and interesting part of this game is kind of the connective uh, collaborative effort to build a network to make deliveries easier and it's just like well the deliveries were made difficult to facilitate this and they were made not fun to facilitate this but what is cool is when you log into the game and you know 100 people liked your this ladder or i've been putting down a lot of um recharge stations for my mechanical oh, legs when you see yeah. a recharge station yeah. and you're on the bike and yeah. it's nearly it's like Wow. I really, yeah. I really got super into the roads, and I built a bunch of roads, and they got loads of likes. And when I came back the next day, someone had continued one of my roads, and we had collaborated on that, and that got even more. Like it is very satisfying. So there, there was a part where, like, basically, there was a huge river, and there was a ladder going from the bank I was on to a rock in the center of the river, and then I put down, went out into the rock, and put down a ladder from that rock to the other end of the river, and even that felt like cool like i was like me and this complete stranger just came up with a way to cross this river mm-hmm. yeah. and that felt kind of amazing you know that okay. did feel really good and i guess you're in post-apocalyptic america you are delivering food and medicine because that is like actual organic made material but the ladders and stuff are 3d printed on the spot and they're a resource um so that's kind of like the push and pull of it i guess mm-hmm. And they degrade after time. I think it's maybe two weeks real time that like the stuff you put down will start to disappear. That's right. fair. Because um, like you don't want people to start into the world and the world is already completed because that's kind of the gameplay yeah. gone. And then you have to hook up to the chiral network to see them. Yeah. yeah. So like just kind of give a little tiny bit of overview of what your motivation is. Uh, you are Sam and your job as a porter is to reconnect America and you were given a... <laughs> chiral necklace it is basically a usb keys with on the history of america with the history of america and you have to go around to different locations on the map and hook them up to the system so your first journey to a location there will be very little put down for you to use and progress with but once you get everything online it basically works like a ubisoft assassin's creed tower once you get that tower online it it like reveals all the other user generated stuff on the map in that area all the materials yeah i guess like what is the strand game to you i'm gonna be really honest i don't really care (laughs) um really like the thing i'm kind of focusing on this game is like my enjoyments and how much kind of fun i have with it and like genre especially 
I just get so tired of discussions about genre. A strand game doesn't mean a lot to me. Death Stranding is Death Stranding. You know what I mean? There is bits yeah. later on where you get actual guns. So like, I just more mean thematically. Yeah. Like, what is he trying to communicate? Because he says this is the first ever game that's like this. It's not. It's not the first ever asynchronous. It's not the first ever collaborative. It's not the first ever fetch quest. It's like, what does he mean when he now, says this? I agree with everything you said. I do have to admit, though, I've never played a game that felt like this to me. Yeah, like I don't think I've played a terrain management sim. And I think that's the part that I, I actually have a lot of affection for. Mm-hmm. Like just the process of like managing the terrain is really satisfying, you know? So when you're out in the world as well, there's this stuff called timefall and it's basically the rain and the rain will degrade your stuff. Yeah, it just ages everything rapidly. It will degrade your packaging and your packaging has a like durability rating of the box and then of the object inside and you can construct packaging spray, container uh, spray. I never use that stuff. I use that you stuff all the time. With that. Um, yeah. I completely ignore that and I still get S ranks. Yeah, I get S rank yeah, on most missions. It's pretty easy to get an S rank unless you really just fuck it up. Oh, I've done that too. I, yeah. I, I, I find, and this is a thing that you get in Mario Maker as well, is that the developer designs, you know, A to B, mm-hmm. and you have to go across A to B, and they expect you to do it the way they designed it. But really, you are fucking yourself across A to B in the most ungraceful way possible. And you still get an S rank because you cheese it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm playing Death Stranding. I'm just like catapulting. I'm just wily coyoting my way to. Brian's the very good at cheesing games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, think, I think he gets the kind of pleasure out of it. I do. And I'm not breaking the game. I'm just using the resources the game has given me. I'm not using them the way the developer expected. But I get rewarded for it. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if it's earned. I'm very like I'm playing this game as a good Samaritan. I will do I will pack up all my stuff. And what I like about this game a lot is uh, your inventory is visualized in every single way. Any single thing you want to bring, whether it's a pair of boots or a container spray or a grenade, it's going to be in a box and it's going on your back and it's going to make it difficult for you to move. And you are just like more box than man. And it is <laughs> more box. Yeah. yeah, completely. And it, it is extremely hard to move. So like you're like, OK, I need to make this long journey. I might run into BTs. We haven't mentioned those, but we will after this. Yeah. Um, and I like like I got I unlocked level three leg braces. So I made 15 of them and then I went around to all the different post box I could find and I dropped them off for other players to have Sweet. like level three leg braces. So like that's kind of the way I've been playing is a very like I go around and I leave materials for people and I, I charge up things with materials and I'm trying to level up stuff. And I, I like that aspect of it. Like, I really like the how, communal aspect. How high is your rank? Because I'd say it's a bit like Destiny for you, where you like seeing the numbers go up. Yes. Yeah. My rank is pretty high. I think I'm like uh, 205 was the last time I checked. So I played very selfishly and I got to 160, which is still pretty high. Yeah. Like, I'm. you can, you can cheese those numbers. You can just yeah. deliver things halfway and get all the likes if you want. But I'm like, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to make people's lives easier. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. You're not playing it like and a I bollocks. That's, that's kind of a really interesting, fun way to play it as mm-hmm. well. I like making those bridge connections. My bridge link connection is really, really big. And that's where you link to another player. I will say a thing like this is all about connection. 
um, to a certain degree. You, I haven't seen any of the people on my friends list stuff. No. I haven't seen John's. I haven't seen Brian. I haven't seen like, I think there's like 20 people on my friends list playing this and I haven't seen any of their stuff. It's all randos. And I don't know if that's by design that you're kind of forced to kind of. It, it, it shuffles people out of your region or something. Yeah. Like they'll just pull five people from Europe, five people from Asia. Yeah. Like people from the Americas. I don't know. It doesn't seem to be pulling from your friends list or by like like closeness or locale. It seems to just be random. And that was a little disappointing because I was hoping I'd see something from you guys there in that world or that you guys would see something I made. But uh, you didn't. And that was a little like, oh, okay. Yeah. But I guess it's more global, which again connects to the themes. I really like seeing all the avatars mm. in the usernames. That's fun. It's weird, like with the themes of the game right because i'd say like i like to see story reflected in gameplay that's a huge thing for me and i get really excited whenever it happens and i feel like with the game that these guys have crafted yeah totally the story the the themes are absolutely reflected in the gameplay mechanics like you know the example of the roads or like you know the bridge stuff kind of you mentioned or like you know me and the ladder like it's like working together to connect different areas and that's really cool but Jesus Christ, the writing and story. That's so... Everything I've mentioned up to this point, I love it. Like, I honestly very much enjoy it. It's cool. It's yeah. really cool. I think the story is the biggest load of horseshit I've ever experienced in any medium. It's melodramatic shit. It's so shallow. It is a field planted with neon flashing signs and not a seed of an idea. It is just... It is pretentious and it is shallow. It's... Do you think maybe you're just not deep enough to get it? Oh, I fucking get it. And I hate that people even suggest <laughs> that because there's nothing going on. It, it, there's nothing the... there. Okay, okay, but Neve, let me explain it, right? His name is Sam Porter Bridges. And he's a porter that bridge that builds bridges between places, people. Sorry, Brian, I'll be done in like 20 minutes, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> cracking my knuckles um <laughs> have you seen the kevin costner movie the postman yes it's it's that film in which kevin costner walks across post-apocalyptic america delivering people's post or oh, mail what are you serious and at the end of the movie they reveal a giant statue of kevin costner with a little mailbag and there's a bit in that movie where a family are trying to so it's a couple who are trying to have a baby and the man goes to Kevin Costner, can you please impregnate my wife? Oh my god. <laughs> do, you not, do you not remember that bit? No, it's like, been a while. The Postman is basically uh, his previous film, The Other Apocalyptic water, water, water World, without the water. It's shite. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it, 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 it's this is all I can think so, about when I think about the story okay. of Death Stranding. I completely agree with you about the story. I just feel like there's nothing there. It's like... There's no subtext, there's just text. But what really upsets me is I could nearly be okay with that if there was, like, interesting, memorable characters. It is literally you and giant empty fields with people calling you on a phone. That is the perfect, like, platform to develop these characters and have mm -hmm. them, like, interesting and have the player develop relationships with them and find out all these little nuanced things about them. They suck. They suck so bad. You connect these places and you'll get a little like like hologram of the person. The person is in the bunker. 
Yeah, but, but they never physically they come out. They will never bother to come out in part from one side mission where yeah, they do yeah, come yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they won't fucking bother their arse and everyone wears the same clothes. They're all really drab. There's loads of emails. Every email is interchangeable. All they do is reiterate the team and what mechanic has just happened. And it could be written by any one of them. And I, they're I've really heard twee. so many times of like... You're a great guy. Rebuilding America, Sam. You're the only one who can do this. I was like, he's literally fucking walking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's just real good at like carrying. Yeah, that's he's just good at carrying. He, he's got he, decent upper body like, strength. Like to me, the game is when your mom asks you to take in the shopping from the car and you do a lazy man's load and you carry too many mm-hmm. shopping bags. Like that's the game. And it's just like, it's just, I've just played two games like Control and Prey where there's very few NPCs, but through the power of emails and just collectibles, they're able to flesh out these characters in the way that I was invested with characters I have never met. The characters in Death Stranding, I have met them, I've got emails from them, and they could literally all interchangeable. I don't remember a single name. The only thing that stands out is Deadman because he made video game references at one point, but it was like lame like it was they do that often they'll say game over man a lot kind of stuff dead man is the comic relief he's probably like the most (laughs) likable character in the game and that's a hard push Mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's just it's so disappointing because this is literally like this is you know the the guy who directed metal gear solid like I, i fucking live for metal gear solid codec calls they're so good and they're so much fun and they flesh out those characters so well and they have all these dumb conversations about like movies and foods and stuff with, that has nothing yeah. to do with the game itself the humor and the personality is just really missing here yeah, yeah. like you, you know and how in Metal Gear Solid 2 there's the bit where the president of America is surfing on a Harrier jump jet being piloted by a vampire like where's that yeah so I got where like, is vampire where got, are bees I got, <laughs> I got like a taste of that in the first cutscene when you have no idea what's happening in the cave with um, Fragile Fragile mm-hmm. she, I, I like Fragile like I, I, I was kind of lo- like I, I was like watching that whole cutscene and like turned to Michelle and be like this is fucking so cool like because it was so dumb and just silly yeah and that's been completely absent from the rest of the game. There's been one or two goofy Kojima moments that have happened to me. There's a droid drone that you can commission. Oh, and he walks out and he sings a little song. Yeah, that was definitely a like classic Kojima moment. Yeah, but it was like three seconds after like 13 hours of nothing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then like, you know, you go over one of the mountains and then all you hear is like... <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, so... so there is no music in this game except for once an hour you get a new low roar song fucking don't like them low roar is that a genre low roar is the perfect name for it so at this point I have 20 low roar songs in my inventory because that's how many hours you get when every one of those songs come on all I can picture is like Hideo Kojima walking to work with his like Apple iBuds in and just being like putting this on my game this is a really good song you know when you listen to a song you like and you're imagining an MV like an AMV in your head to the song and you're like yeah that would be sweet if I did a game I would put my shitty music taste in this well someone did it you know and and it's so like personal and so his thing that if you not you're not into that music and it's it's really inoffensive so you might just think it's fine but I was just like anytime it happens I'm like like to me it's like you hear that music and you see the like terrain landscape and it just makes you think of like it's a watch ad, mm-hmm. like or like a perfume ad but, that you'd see it b- before you watch a movie. Can we talk about how much of this game is an ad? Oh yeah. Okay, so Sam's chiral necklace—you can buy that from the Kojima store. That's three forty. 
Uh, Three hundred and forty dollars. I wonder how many they've sold. A, a lot. I've been at the Kojima booth. I bought a T-shirt from there at Gamescom because <laughs> it's special edition. I know. I regret it. <laughs> You're the problem, Eve. I am. Uh, you get glasses from an NPC because I had done like a lot of fucking missions for him, and it says the make and the brand because they are doing a Death Stranding um, crossover. Yeah. So every single thing that Sam is given in this, you can buy. You can buy the hat. Uh, you go into the private room, which we should talk about. It is basically Norman Reedus Tamagotchi. Yep. And there's Mountain Dew there. And I fucking hate the Mountain no, Dew. No, it, Monster Energy. Monster Energy. Monster Sorry, Energy. it's all green piss from America. I don't <laughs> yeah. care. I don't know. <laughs> green piss from America. <laughs> oh, and, 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 and he's got his AMC motorbike show. Yeah. Which, which, oh, I'm, that's bad. But it's see, so bad. It breaks the fucking fiction. And what... Okay, can, I'm going to rant about the Monster Energy. And... This, like, I don't particularly like product placement in general, but I can live with it as long as it doesn't break the fiction of the world. There is a bit in the game where you deliver wheat seeds to a wheat farm uh, where they grow beer from the wheat. It is a distillery. You get about three emails talking about how the magic rain makes the wheat, makes the magic beer, and then you can drink the beer in the safe room. There is no explanation about why in a world where everything is disconnected, there's no supply runs, there's absolutely nothing, that you have fucking monster energy right there, plentiful, in every single room. It is so absolutely world-breaking. Kojima is like begging you to take a shitty, shitty story super serious, and he can't even fucking commit to it himself. And then you make Norman Reedus shit. Norman Reedus winks at you, you make him shit, and then it's like an advert for his fucking motorbike show comes up. But, and yeah, but like it, instead of a fart noise, it's a motorcycle room. Revving. And yeah. like, okay, haha, funny, but haha, funny at the expense of literally this really pretentious it was, it was world same, he wants us to buy into. It was the same shit look at how silly we're being about selling out. And like, it's look, it's not about selling out. Like if you can fit product placement into your thing and have it not intrusive and have it not interfere with the fiction of the world... Fucking go for it. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Which Kojima's done before. Yeah. But, like, this is not that. And, like, the actual... The monster energy pisses me off a lot. Because, yeah, like, everything he says, right? The AMC thing pisses me off more. Because, like, that to me is more world-breaking. Like, in my head, I can nearly be like... Okay, they found a fucking massive factory of months. But, the like, the ad for the TV show is, a like... A TV show that won't be on television in two years' time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's just bad. You want me to believe that this character Sam exists and you want me to buy into the fiction of this world and then you have Norman Reedus as an AMC and it's just so like I get that you love this dude and like you've seen I've seen people on Twitter and I've complained about this and they've been like well you gotta pay the devs some way and it's just like if you think the devs get paid through this this yeah it's like this is making millions and that's like oh they can't possibly pay the people who make this like, game without even, taking even, monster energy even the necklace shit yeah. i'm a bit like whatever well, yeah sure like all it's right. up to your prerogative you know it's you like know? you know if they invented like an original piece of an original piece of jewelry for this game i can understand that people want that and 340 dollars seems like a fucking lot but like you know what i mean it's like but yeah that stuff's just it just sucks and like mm-hmm. it it's like if this is such a like important piece of art to Kojima, why is he compromising it with this stuff? I think honestly he just thinks it's funny. 
but it's like don't he's, ask yeah, me he, to yeah. buy into something fully serious something that's really dumb which the story is so fucking dumb Kojima's a big fucking troll yeah he is but he also I don't know that he is I think he's fully serious about this I think he yeah. really believes he's writing something good and See, special and I deep think and it's I not. used to think he's kind of a troll and this game is changing my opinion on that mm-hmm. yeah because the other day I was comparing him to Kanye West where he's in his own universe and he has a bunch of yes men telling him he's great and I don't think anyone play tested this game properly and gave him like harsh feedback I'm sure they bug tested it I'm sure like it wasn't like a. am sure there wasn't like a a specialist like reviewer or something coming in like but like they didn't give him like a breakdown of the gameplay loop and you know tell him like this there was no editor there was no person who could say no there was no person who could push back this is his this is it and you know in some ways like the gameplay stuff we've talked about i'm kind of like awesome that's cool Mm -hmm. but like yeah i i'm really disappointed in the story stuff and ultimately i think like i like the gameplay stuff but part of me is very skeptical that like it's going to like ever change or that i've just kind of just experienced it you know what i mean okay yeah so two more things i want to talk about are the bts and then the text in the menu okay oh okay God. okay okay so the bts the first time you encounter the bts which are beach things and these are kind of wandering ghosts that leave the beach and come back to the living the world of the living but they're invisible and sam is able to detect them with uh, with, with bb we didn't even get to BB, did we? No, we haven't got to BB yet. So the other day I was talking to my cousin and he said, who's Mads Mikkelsen in this game? And I explained who Mads Mikkelsen was. Then I had to explain who BBs were. Then I explained what BTs were. Then the chiral network. And it was just like, if you try and tug at one strand, strand. of this game, it's like you have to explain everything. After chapter three, you get more Mads. Yeah. I know what Mads is all about now. I've gotten is enough. good? He's good, and but you, you know how sometimes you get a shitty Metal Gear Metal Gear Solid fight where it's just like you rinse and repeat yeah. step one to step two over and over. It's one of those fights. I feel like every boss fight has been that. The first boss fight with a BT was so easy, yeah, and so underwhelming. I the was one really that Troy Baker by. summons, yeah. Oh yeah, that 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 thing's a piece of piss. But like most of them are. Like, yeah, it's such a shame. He has done some. Or at least he's been a part of some fucking amazing boss fights in his day. Yeah. I feel like the set pieces are actually kind of bad in this. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Brian. Uh, the BTs are cool. Uh, the first time you encountered them, then you kind of know what to do. And then they're just kind of like something in your way. Just another roadblock. And it does the same cutscene every single time. You know, you're going to like a, a BT circle on your map and it's going to do the thing where your weird like detector is going to alert you and then the music changes I, I like that there's music for that bit and it feels like you know you suddenly have to like lean forward on the couch and play the game for a, a brief moment but I usually just like blast through those bits I don't same I don't sneak past them anymore because the stealth in this game is it's not a stealth game really but now I have like guns and stuff like I have like proper bullets now so I can kill anything I want, living or dead. <laughs> um, 
my biggest problem is the text because I think this game was 100% designed and play tested on computer monitors. Mm-hmm. So imagine sitting five feet from your television and trying to read an email. Yeah, that's what the text uh, and on the, the menus like they're they're they look beautiful. Oh, yeah, they're but lovely. They're, they're cumbersome. Um, I like find they're not sleek or smooth. To me, what I find that there's a white glow on the text, and so it bleeds out some of the letters. So like the letter E and the letter O look the same mm-hmm. from far away. I don't like that it individually itemizes all the items. I, I, I can understand that some items get degraded. But you have to win Fire Emblem, you have vulneries. And if you use one of your vulneries, it'll rank it below into, you know, two out of three vulneries. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if you have ten ladders, it says ladder, 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 ladder. It doesn't have ladder times ten beside it. And I think that stuff could be streamlined. Because it is a lot of you're scrolling down, down, down. I feel like you could QA the like this game up a lot. I I do mm. think this game will be patched, and this game has PS Plus written all over it. Like this time next year, it'll be on PlayStation Plus. I don't think that stuff will be patched at all. I think that's the vision. Jeez. I think like when you say ten letters for me, it's because yeah, that's because you can put one ladder on your arm yeah, and totally. one on your back oh and one God. here, and it's like about how okay, you're bringing ten ladders. You're gonna find space for ten ladders. They're not just ten stacked together. <sighs> but like my issue with the text is even in the right bottom corner you get a little bit of like blurb telling you where it has to go <coughs> that text yeah. is basically unreadable if you're not sitting up close to your TV and there's absolutely no way to make that text bigger there's no accessibility options in no, this no there, there, there is not and not like like ignoring subtitles which are okay-ish but menu text just absolutely nothing for you to change Yeah, yeah. guys how much more of this game are you going to play? I'm going to finish it. Um, I haven't played it in five days. Going to hold on to it for another week and see if I want to play it anymore. If I don't, I'll just trade it in. So you think? Do you, do you think you'll finish it? Oh, uh, no. Because I could see myself finishing this next year. Like, but Game of the Year is happening this year. Oh, I know what I think of it for Game of mm. the Year. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no. Like, I, I, like, I, I have I, an opinion on this game. I, 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 I do like this game. I've gotten what I needed out of it, but I, I'm just not its audience. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this game is just such a letdown to me thematically. Like, like Kojima's just it, fucking it is, it is very disappointing. Stupid connective drum, and even in the game itself, it doesn't know what it fucking wants to say. So it'll say, strands and ropes bring things together. Your strand rope, the only use for it is to attack the mules. Yeah. It'll say, connection is important and connecting everyone to the network is good. Your phone that is your like connection to the network is a pair of literal handcuffs. So I guess it's bad. Likes are good. You give likes to people in the world when they use your stuff. NPCs give you likes. You're rated by likes. The mules are porters like you who have been driven mad by the adrenaline rush of likes because there's too many likes. And like you'll get emails where tablets have ruined cinema and being too technically advanced has ruined civilization. But we need to be connected and the only way to do that is digital means because we can be connected throughout the world. So it's always at odds with its own themes in every way. And the only way I can think that is, and I'm again, I'm at chapter three and I have two theories what the ending is. I'm going to throw these out. Sure. And this is based on what I got. People can skip this bit if they want because I but might be right. It's not a spoiler. Right. This is just your theory. This is no. my theory. Yeah. So my first theory 
is we're not in America whatsoever because the landscape is fucking weird and it's not American. And again, also for a game about America, they sing the London Bridge is Falling Down song a lot and it's that tune is played all the time. I, I do think it's like, it's made by a Japanese person and it's set, it's set in the West, but it's like a mishmash of like, Western things. But they've literally said America a billion times. Okay, oh, first yeah, yeah. the theory. But, but 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 also London Bridge is falling yeah, down. Yeah, but London Bridge is falling down. I honestly think they just say because bridge is in the title. So first one, I think we're on the moon because yeah. Mads Mikkelsen is going on about the moon all the time. And baby, I'll give you the moon. You know. Okay. So America doesn't exist. We're actually on the moon, and we think we're there. Second theory is because of all the mixed metaphors and how one thing is good but also bad. Sam, who thinks he's doing a good thing by connecting all America, is actually going to bring uh, forth kind of like an Evangelion instrumental uh, instrumentality project ending. It's definitely got some Evangelion themes, that's yeah, for sure. Like, it's kind of like, actually, it was bad to connect us all. Whoa! And that way the, the, the terrorist guy, the homo demons leader, Higgs... Yeah. He's at, he, he wasn't so bad after all. Yeah, and like, I fucking hate Higgs. You meet Higgs and he's just like, my name's Higgs. And like anywhere else, you'd be like, okay. And then you can like, you know, everyone can develop their little theories about Higgs. But Higgs goes, I'm, my name's Higgs. Like the Higgs particle, the God particle. Oh, interesting. Yeah, not clever. It's just like everything is so spelt out and so shallow. And I just like, I'm so frustrated by it. And then just where the BBs come from with the still mothers are just gross. They uh, go more into the BBs later on. I think the idea with the BBs is that when the Death Stranding began, this was the way that they could like detect the dead because it's a seven-month-old, yeah, yeah, no longer a fetus. Oh, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's, yeah. But it's how they're made that's gross. Yeah. Um, they don't make them anymore, and they're being phased out. The, the BB you have, you shouldn't have. And mm-hmm. there's a bit later on where like Del Toro's character really wants to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where the BBs come from is it's still mothers and they're brain dead women who are impregnated and give birth to these, like, who their babies are, like, taken from them. And the babies are, like, months. a product. Yeah, and the babies are used as equipment. And, like, that's just, like, deeply gross for me because, again, about this game about connection, it's, like, what are women's role? And it's, like, it's all really an incubator. Like, it's, all, it's all really, yeah. like, oh, this is where they come from. Yeah, it's just a lore drop. There's no criticism. There's no conversation about it. It's just like, that's where like, they come no, from. No one at any point is like, yeah. wow, that's really fucked up. Yeah, like yeah. N- like no one's like, whoa, what the fuck? I get the feeling in this world that nobody is directly related to each other anymore. Um, like you don't have siblings or parents. You're just sort of like raised out of a lab and but you... saying that it's all about um, fatherhood and stuff it's like Sam's relationship with Bibi it's like Sam's mother is um, is the president whose sister is um, like the best damn pre- <laughs> whose sister is the new pre- president so it is familial in a way it's you so know? weird that like the president is done as like older <laughs> yeah and, and that like the <laughs> I guess it's like the Bush administration <laughs> Just pass down the crown. It's so weird. What the fuck? It is a very frustrating but also fascinating game. It like it gives a lot to talk about yeah, with very little totally, to say. And I have no yeah. doubt that this is not our, going to be our last conversation about that game. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm kind of curious though, like, what's left this year that you guys are like excited for? Especially as we're heading into like game of the year season. I uh, think for me, I'm going to try and catch up on some things that you guys liked. I can lend you Luigi's Mansion. Yeah. Um, what are you going to try and catch up on? 
uh, Luigi's Mansion, um, maybe River City Girls and uh, Outer Worlds and maybe try and play Jedi Fallen Order. I'm either going to get Jedi Fallen Order in the Black Friday sales because that is a respawn game and unfortunately respawn games come out in November and then get their price cut <laughs> later yeah. in November because that's mm-hmm. what happened with Titanfall too. And both Jedi Fallen Order and Pokemon are coming out on like the same month as Shenmue yeah. 3 and it's like fuck yeah, guys Shenmue I'm sorry. Just like obliterated. Yeah. It, I think I, I actually heard that it was actually Yu Suzuki's benevolence that he pushed back Shenmue a couple of days so that it wouldn't like destroy the sales of those two other games <laughs> which is really how humble of him yeah I just uh, like, yeah. I mean, Pokemon and Star Wars have always been kind of like the little train that could of franchises. <laughs> and next to like a kind of behemoth like Shenmue, it's it was just really good of him to do that. I think like I, you know, respected and loved him even more. Yeah, I'll probably get the new Star Wars game maybe at the end of the year or else in January sales. Um, looks good. That's your missing game of the year. I know. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll fully support wherever that game lands. I'm not gonna. No, I'm not Brian, gonna contest that's it. Completely not how game of the year works. I am, no, you won't. I'm gonna just chill. I'm. I'm not pushing. Like I. Like my favorite game at the moment is Luigi's Mansion, but I'm not gonna like. We always say this every fucking year. We're all like, um, you know, I don't care where any game no, lands no, no. in game of the year, and, and then, then we it actually like happens, and, dogs, yeah. and we, we like like we start the discussion, and then four hours later, we're just three fucking like feral people clawing at each other can, trying to get our game as far as we can can i take the temperature of the room then like what what games have you enjoyed a lot that you will want to talk about at the end of this year hmm honestly devil may cry big one for me mm-hmm. i like resident evil 2 mm-hmm. um, you like that too Niamh. yeah resident evil 2 for me uh control and fire emblem fire emblem definitely mm-hmm. yeah fire emblem i love that game good um I'll need to see like a full list of them. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah. Shenmue 3 is out next week. Yeah, you yeah. gotta see. Yeah. Brian, you remember we had a conversation a while ago, and maybe it was on the podcast or maybe it wasn't, but you were like, John, you can't be excited about Shenmue 3. And I was totally on board with you. I was like, I know, I know, like, I know it's probably not gonna be good. I am so far from that now. I am so fucking excited for that game. Are you like a kid on Christmas morning? I can't wait. I'm so, so excited that it's coming the, out. Uh, the uh, trailer that also made Nia very excited is a very well put together trailer. I like how they prefer, um, preserve the stilted voice acting of Rio. Yeah. Okay, but like I need to stress, that is a marketing department, not the game. Yeah, it's true. But Landy, <laughs> Brian. I know. Uh, Landy, let's fight that it was very very cool i don't know what it's going to be like in the final product finger (laughs) it's weird that's the most threatening (laughs) gesture that rio's simple mind could construct actually just just one last thing because you you uh, said it to both of us at, at an event recently when we were talking about death stranding but you were saying about david cage oh yes i honestly think after the writing in this game with kojima that i have been too hard on david cage <laughs> because david cage is tone deaf will mine minority experience for content but he is trying he is trying to say something coherent kojima kojima has his favorite actors and he has his favorite music and he read a lot of wikipedia articles and he thinks all of it's so Jeez. fucking brilliant that it's worth committing to a million billion dollar game and that we should all think it's great. And then he'll say that the people who reviewed it badly, they were American and they didn't get it. 
Despite it being a game about America. Death Stranding needs to... Or Death Stranding flies higher. It flies higher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to talk about Death Stranding anymore. I don't think anyone does. I no, think like no, the fact no. that our podcast comes out so much later and we had the week the week preview of reviews. Oh, people are so sick of it. People are so yeah. fucking and if pe- done. If someone sat through that entire conversation, wow, we really appreciate the loyalty. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Let's move into some quick time events. It is. Let's cut number five. What's that? It's about Death Stranding. I don't want to fucking talk about that shit. Plus, we kind of just like you know, what's there's nothing to say. Let's talk about Overwatch because we had BlizzCon. BlizzCon happened. Overwatch Two was kind of was announced. Overwatch Two, Diablo Four, end of story. Can't wait. There you go. Yep. Okay. All is not forgiven. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh man, that was a bad apology. It was a non-apology. It was so bad. And oh, just the moment he goes, we failed in the high standard we had set for ourselves. What are you talking about? Yeah, your video game company. Come on. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah. You just sell toys. Fess up to it. But um, yeah, it was super weak. I... I, th- I thought it just it, it sucked like he, there was nothing to it there was no actual like owning up to anything wrong and more importantly there was no action the apologies that action is just it's nothing you know and like I think in kind of like the age we live in I think like I'm thinking a lot about apologies and what a person has to do to apologize correctly and the first thing is own up to it and the second thing is like you know you watch them over time and see if they have actually improved and in the short term which is like when this punishment is effect against Blitzchung Blizzard did nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it's fine for them to individually go in interviews and be like, well, I thought it was a bit harsher. We acted too quickly. It's like, you didn't act too quickly. Like, if you had made the right decision, it wouldn't have mattered how quickly you acted. You made the wrong decision. That's the fucking problem. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of this has been said already. I don't have anything particularly to add new to new to it, but man, Blizzard. I'm out. Like, I'm not buying Overwatch 2. I'm just kind of done with it. It's really been disillusioning. Like, not really disillusioning. Like, I'm, I I, didn't... I don't know if I expected more or less, but I'm just kind of done. Can I, can I make a... About Overwatch 2? Yeah. Why didn't they change the fucking outfits? The weird thing about Overwatch 2, so we'll just talk about this a bit. So Overwatch 2 seems to just be like it's a PvE add-on. So the PvP player versus player will will work like will coincide through both games. You will not be the player base will not be split. The the new game modes for two will be available in the base game that you already have, and the only things that might be locked, I think, are costumes characters will be across both so the only thing that's locked is pve which was a thing that would be in events anyway so it kind of just seems like they're charging you a lot of money for event content that they kind of would have probably done anyway and i don't know why this needs to be a full add-on when it's kind of crossing the player base. it's kind of baffling because i would have thought that overwatch 2 slam dunk Mm -hmm. you know i thought i think that was something that people are going to lose their minds over do you know what i mean and um people are just like oh yeah okay. yeah even like and like overwatch fans are so muted about it 
again, I just think people are a little bit like, what are you doing? They announced yeah. a new hero. Um, Sojourn. Yeah, and like... She's cool. She, yeah, she's a kind of first black Overwatch hero, but people also kind of felt it was like a break, break glass in case of emergency, that this character should have happened way, way before, before the fucking and hamster, the before reason, literally the everyone. The reason they gave was so bad. It was like, well, you know, we... Uh, she's we only reserved her because of story reasons and it's like wait so you peel that back and you're like so she's like a black lady you couldn't have put like another black lady in it when it's something that everyone is like it's really weird this isn't a thing i mean apex legend launched with two black ladies yeah yeah that was fine as far as i remember like the Mm -hmm. universe didn't fucking implode it's weird and it just sends it just sends out this really weird messaging and they put out this really fucked up interview as well with the like you know we we just we don't want to be seen as pandering and it's like yeah. what are you talking about why are you bringing up that word like yeah. you were like like first committed to diversity then you're not then you do a character and she couldn't exist because of story despite your game not really having story anyway that didn't seem to go over too well with people and it seemed half-baked like there wasn't an official cosplayer which they've had for everyone like moira and everyone else yeah there wasn't like any cinematic or anything yeah, like that, that really featured her it felt rushed out so then i feel like this week they did another break class in case of emergency and it's dr mercy so it's mercy with her glasses and her doctor's coat which has been basically they love to mine fan art for good ideas like undercut hanzo um <laughs> We're reaching out to the community and putting it in the game. They won't even mention the community. This is our fresh, cool idea. But, like, they couldn't take off her boots because they're clearly baked into her model. So they just put a coat on her (laughs) and, like, some glasses. And they were like, look, she's a doctor and she's hot. Don't you love it? And people are like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. And it was just like, okay, the first thing didn't work. We're breaking out Dr. Mercy. Please like us again. That's what it feels like. What a strange company. Do you know, there was a time when Blizzard were just like, they were golden. Like, they, were, they could do no wrong. Like, I, I can remember that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, man, they have they have fallen far. I think you don't try and appeal to, like, the idea, like, the whole, the whole concept of Overwatch was like, these people coming together, and they're all from around the world, and they're different people, and that's cool. And then completely do what you did when it came to Blitzchung. Yeah, there's an insincerity that is so just galling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I mean, it was always marketing. It was always for money. But like, it just, it peeled away the veneer and the dirty, filthy truth of it all was kind of there. I think people are tired. Speaking of peeling away a dirty, filthy veneer, the new Sonic redesign. Yeah. (laughs) Um, this is a huge improvement. Yeah, yeah. it looks great. Uh, this came out a, a couple of days ago, and I had to stop what I was doing and watch the Sonic trailer. And it's gone from a disaster shit show that I wanted to see to a very acceptable children's movie that I will probably see as well. Did you guys have that moment where, like, you see the new design, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that that's pretty cute." And then you see a side beside a side by side of the new and the old one. You're like, "That's what the old one looked like." Yeah, it uh, had so much teeth. It's hideous. <laughs> I really liked how, um, yeah, because they have the uh meow scene put in the new trailer, so you can actually like you know compare and contrast those two. But it has one as well where Sonic is sitting in the chair in the front seat of the Jeep, and in the original they just sort of like dropped in his standing model in the jeep but now he's like actually sitting down into the chair 
and kind of interacting and relaxing and yeah, it's just a big improvement. Yeah. Um, Looks good. Yeah. They brought on Tyson Hess, which yeah. obviously makes sense to mm-hmm. like bring him on. He's the guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I I can remember like ten years ago reading his like Sonic like comics where he was taking the piss out of Sonic with like nipples the enchilada and yeah, yeah, yeah. and Batface La Rouge, <laughs> and it's just so funny that like it's come full circle and now he's like <laughs> like fixing official Sega problems. Oh, I think it's, like. To make Sonic work, you need to put it in the hands of the kind of lunatics who still like Sonic. Yeah. There's a friend of mine at work, and a couple months ago he said, why can't liking Sonic be a normal thing? <laughs> and, you know, like, that definitely comes in waves. Like, Sonic Sonic has rises, he has falls. Uh, like, Sonic 06, kind of from the late 2000s, was kind of a shitty period. What, what do you think was the moments where, like, because, like, Sonic... And Mario's paths were like the same for a long time. Oh yeah. When did they divide? I think around the time of Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure Two, that's when Mario Sunshine came out, and it was just like one took itself way too seriously, and then the other one took itself like seriously enough, but like didn't go beyond it. And I think it's the bit in Sonic Adventure. I think it may, or, or, may, or it might be Shadow the Hedgehog. There's a bit where the President of America has a framed photo of Sonic and Shadow mm-hmm. on his desk, and that's kind of when it. I, it, it you think that's the moment? Yeah, the bit. Interesting. Yeah, like for me, that's it. That moment's more Kojima than that Stranding is. Yeah, <laughs> I just don't know why the President of America would have a framed photo of Sonic and Shadow on his desk. Maybe the moment that Sonic made out with a human girl. Mm-hmm. That's Sonic 06, Yeah. Yep. With just the Final Fantasy girl. Yeah. And finally, we got the Xbox Direct. Yeah. I don't know what this was called. I I, I just... So this basically was Xbox kind of doing like... A keynote. Their their full... Pretty much their plans for streaming. Yeah. And in essence, I would say giving Stadia a lot to worry about. Oh, yeah. Completely. Good. I like competition. Yeah. The Game Pass is like is something that will make me consider getting an Xbox next generation. Yeah, and that initial lineup is real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like There's some yeah. quality stuff on there. Like, Sony barely pushed PlayStation now. Yeah. They have recently. Did you oh, notice yeah. on your um, your homepage that the PlayStation Now icon is there? Yep. I oh, hate yeah. when they advertise to me there. It's I, like, I, I got away. that, and then I just re- removed the app. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fuck that. Um, that new Rare game looks really cool. What's it called? don't know but it's like it's a bit like breath of the wild but like way less of a hud and more kind of directionless i guess by the looks of it interesting uh but it looks it looks lovely uh, i'm glad rare are allowed to make games still yeah me too um there was that game from is it don't nod is that don't the- nod the life is strange developers it's called like tell me why and I think, like, the kind of... The thing about this one is it's kind of a, a trans uh, man protagonist. There's been a little bit of, like, pushback against this online because people were asking, was there actually any trans people in its development? They had sensitivity coaches and stuff like that, but I think that was kind of a long way to say no. Uh, and it's, like, as a fan of Life is Strange, and when pickings are slim for representation, I think this will hit its mark and people will like it and get a lot out of it. But there's also the danger of it falling so far into pitfalls that people who don't have that lived experience 
don't understand is a pitfall and that's a little worrying but hopefully hopefully it won't go there i feel like i heard the first episode of life is strange 2 came out and then i never heard anything about yeah, it again that, yeah that's, that's that's about the two brothers yeah mm-hmm. um i played the original life is strange and the prequel and i find you get set about 70 percent of those games and you're like really really enjoying it but then they don't stick the landing mm-hmm. and the last episode kind of shits the bed it's kind of weird because before the storm really self-corrected a lot of stuff like uh, life is strange really fell into a lot of tropes like dead lesbian tropes kind of thing like the good ending is killing the gay yeah uh which is disappointing before the storm they clearly had more sensitivity and better writers on it and chloe was a much fleshed out character and those relationships were much yeah more at the forefront like, i liked before the storm yeah. yeah i really really like episode two but the problem with before the storm is it's a prequel so it kind of has to fulfill the trope yeah. because that's yeah. where it was it that's up rachel's yeah demise. so it was sad but they did a way better job so i'm hopeful that this will be a good game that will provide yeah. representation for from what I've heard with this game is it's three episodes and they're being released all at the same time Mm. so it means the game will be start to finish so you'll actually know whether it's worth putting your time into as to whether it sticks to landing or not and you know it doesn't have a a cop out ending well I think it's like good that these games are being made like I think generally this is a positive and good thing um could be better obviously a lot of things could be better but when you're gay and when you're trans you just gotta lick your fingers and suck up all those crumbs because that's all you get <laughs> those tasty lesbian crumbs really like, really really clumsy all... baby <laughs> yeah. steps that are just like uh-huh. halfway problems and like people are like wow this sucks I'm like 31 years old. It's still fucking sucking all my life. It's going to keep sucking because people aren't hiring gay people. And it's just like, it's just fucking shit. And it's a really slow, slow march. And then you've got stupid fucking assholes being like, oh, no, the shoehorn in there. And it's just like, <laughs> where are they? Where are they? I'd love to play these shoehorned in games. I love it. The guy's like, are you happy now? And you're like, no, no, <laughs> but I'll fucking take it because it's all there is. <laughs> Emails. Did you know that we have an email address? To live in the modern world, you need to be contactable by electronic mail. Mm-hmm. If you were to contact us, what would you type into a computer? Uh, Hideo Kojima at kojimaproductions.deathstranding.com It will be uh, brian at files at piratebay.lol Will I give out my my ICQ? Sure. Uh, It's uh, blades777. Neve's going to call out her IBAN now. If you want to, you know... Or 2069. <laughs> Whoa! Ask at gmail.com. That's ask let's fight a boss at gmail.com. You better ask us. You better ask us. Let's fight a boss at gmail.com. You know what my favorite kind of email is? What? The kind of email that has the question in the subject line. It makes me so fucking happy. Way to optimize that shit. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. Let's look at some emails. Let's let's break open the email chest. 
Whoa, there's a lot of words. Oh my god. Are, are you sure you guys want to type that much words? Wow. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to take this one from Muhammad about burnout. Um... I'm currently in university and a big problem I face is burnout. For example, I've been studying for a lot, uh, a couple of days straight and I might wake up one day and my body just rejects studying. During that time, I try to force myself to work which ends up wearing me out even more and once I've realized that I do have burnout, it ends up putting me down even more because of the realization that the time wasted could have been used to relax or even work on the ideas for the project I want to start. So my question is, is there any way to avoid burnout? If not, is there a way to realize that you have burnout before you start to force yourself to work to work, or that a simple break is not going to solve it? And quickly, kind of related to this, how do you guys handle balancing work, personal projects, and consuming media? I especially would like to hear an answer from Josh on the... <laughs> Josh. Such a serious email, and then he just drops in Josh on the subject, because his job doesn't have concrete work hours, and I feel an insight would help uh, with study flow. Um, Josh, you don't have to go into detail if you don't want to. I don't, I don't mind at all, Mohammed. Thank you for asking. What do you, what, what do you guys feel about this? Um, I do find you could be way too hard on yourself sometimes mm. and then the time dwelling on that is like well now I'm wasting even more time and you're like I'm, I'm you're, you're, you're like treating it like you're maximizing something at all times I guess I feel like that that's just such a problem now in general that everything has to, every moment right now has to be a, a well-used moment. Gotta optimize your time matrix, Neve. Oh, it's yeah. fucking horrible. It's terrible. It, it, and it, the guilt you feel for not doing it is oh, like absolutely. so real and so crushing. And like, I, I, I completely get working, uh, doing a good job and then doing, you know, putting time aside then because you've earned it. But sometimes you do have to just like have a cheat day, have a cheat moment. Oh yeah. Cheat weekend. Yeah. Cheat week. And you can't be hard on yourself for it. Yeah, like you really, really, really can't be hard about that. Like it, it, it we're, 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 we're uh, not automated machines. For me, um, it definitely got very difficult after point, especially last year, where like I was just working constantly. And I remember, like, even last year, I was saying to myself, like, if I can get my workload down to ten hours a day and take at least one weekend a week, then I'll be like, then I'll be okay. But that's still like a 60 hour work week every week and like often way more than that with like just one day off and it was really hard to get out of the mindset to stop doing that and I think what really helped me in the end was the kind of realization that like in its own way rest is also part of productivity and this is a way I kind of like convince myself to actually like you know take it take a day off or take a weekend off and just rest because i know come that monday i'm going to be like in genuine fighting form and i'll be at like a hundred percent and i'll probably do work that like would not be possible or i'll do the work to a standard that would not be possible if i had worked through the weekend you know mm -hmm. and like last year i did several videos where i'd work like say 14 days in a row and by the end of it like i'm just producing shit like just utter garbage because at that point i'm at like 20 percent capacity and i might be spending like 10 11 
15 hours working I'm probably getting like three or four good hours done and the rest is going to be something that I have to redo you know Mm -hmm. and so like this year a big thing for me has been like just accepting like whoa like we need a certain amount of time to operate to be like creative to see the ideas to like actually find the core of what I'm trying to say with like videos and stuff I need time off and my mind needs to rest because that's where a lot of the good stuff comes and so for me like I definitely get about like taking it easy on yourself and self-care and all that stuff but that that ended up nearly not being enough for me in a really fucked up kind of way do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. where I'd it's really like I couldn't accept that but when I shifted into like no if I want to be at my most productive actually kind of have to rest and I have to force this time and have to give myself the space to like find new kinds of media and just experience all these different things that's when like I think my mind kind of started accepting it more and I think if you're really struggling with the idea that you need to take a day off you probably should because I think when a lot of people are happy and healthy they're happy to work like when I'm in when I'm in good form, I can't fucking wait to get to work. You know, I love it. And it's only when I'm really exhausted that I start resisting that. I know everyone's different with that and it's going to vary from person to person, but yeah. Resting and recuperating and letting yourself regenerate, that is a big part of like doing the best job you can do. And so it's something you should take seriously. Rest is something you should take as seriously as work and I hope that helps. I think it's good to also know that everyone is very different. Yeah. So if you see someone going full force all the time, that's just a different energy level to you. Yeah. Yeah. Do 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 do. Yeah. You uh, shouldn't compare yourself to others with yeah, that. Like, I, I also. I, it it, it, yeah. it, it uh, does happen in college that you're all in this together, and there is a bit of kind of camaraderie, but sometimes that can be like unrealistic competition. Mm-hmm. I also feel like people will be very dishonest about how much they are working. Some yeah. people will vastly undersell how much they're working. Some people will vastly oversell how much they will working. exaggerate the numbers for sure. And like, you can for sure sit at your desk for eight hours, but you might only be working for three of them. Yeah. yeah well, like that's the kind of, that's one of the things I kind of found very difficult when I started doing YouTube stuff, because like in a lot of my old jobs, there was often the option to just fucking coast for a day. And like, it's cool. You make it up tomorrow. But then like when it was just YouTube stuff, it's like, Oh shit. I have to make several very difficult creative decisions today and follow through on all of them. And so it was like energy, maximum output all the time. It was like always deadline time. But as well, burnout catches up with everyone eventually. Like, I don't care who you are. Like, I've talked, I've known enough people, like creative people over the years that like, and seen enough people really burn themselves out to the point that like, they'll be, they can do great for like a month, six months, a year. But it catches up with everyone and it's sad sometimes because like I have friends who I know they're unhappy doing what they're doing but they've kind of convinced themselves that it has to be this all or nothing thing, you know? It's tricky. I think it's good also to identify your best hours. Yeah. Yeah. When are you most productive? How long are you actually productive for? And then are those three hours you pissing away doing nothing? And maybe those would be better spent sitting down and watching a movie and playing a game. 100%. Because you're relaxing, uh, but you're, you know, doing something you enjoy. And those were hours that you would just be dicking away on, like, Twitter or whatever. Yeah. And, like, 
there's also activities that are completely not related to whatever you know whatever your goal is that i think can really help you in it like um i don't know how many times i've been coming home from jujitsu and been like oh fucking of course that's what this video was missing or that's what this thing needed yeah it's just taking a step back yeah take yourself mm -hmm. out of your zone and give yourself some perspective yeah i, I think it's a good question because it answers a lot of things that are indirectly connected yeah. You, you you can apply this to a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. Get out of yourself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I got one here from Lizard King. Uh, cool. It's atypical male characters. Uh, Lizard King says, Recently, I have been thinking of my favorite male characters in media, and some of the ones that jump out of jump out to me have been Guts from Berserk, Johnny Joestar from JoJo Part 7, and Shinji from Evangelion. I've noticed a commonality among them is that they have traits that are atypical to your average male power fantasy protagonists. All these characters nuanced, have nuance to them and feel like great examples of male role models, examples of male characters being allowed to have more emotions that aren't being tied to being masculine. Uh, so my question is, what are some of your favorite atypical male characters in media and why? I thought this was a really interesting question. Totally. Yeah. I've got two that comes to mind straight away. Yes. Uh, Titus from Final Fantasy X, he cries, which a lot of people took as a big contentious thing. But if you actually put together all the things he's crying about, you would cry too. And I think that was really nice to have a Final Fantasy protagonist be a kind of cool sports jock, but also be emotional and sensitive and also realize stuff that he was doing was wrong and hurtful. And he's just kind of a very fleshed out emotional character who is still, you know, very much a guy and very... And the other is like Luke Skywalker. Yeah. You know? He's had a tough time. He's had a tough time. He's like a hero. He is the, the hero of the franchise. But like in the end, he, you know, rejects violence. Yeah. Um, I actually like the idea of like men crying because in the odyssey odysseus because i did classical studies um he's so he comes home from um god i can't remember classical studies at all he loses all his men on his boat and it's just him on the island with sirens and he's just mourning for them and it was written back then that like to cry for every single crewmate was incredibly masculine <laughs> and it was that you were showing emotion and that was like the most like buff thing you could do and now it's like the complete opposite of that is mm. so interesting you know, in fist of the north star kinshiro cries like all the fucking time it's so good yeah. um, but like like it's yeah like you know how sometimes they'll do the tear but then like other times it's like the burst into tears like you know how does that one bit in mad men where don draper just fucking like breaks yeah and he just does it in front of a co-worker and it, it's just like that's his like version of like screaming out the window i can't take it anymore um i really love giorno giovanni from part five um i think it's really interesting because like you have all these like really hyper masculine characters Maybe a little less so with Josuke, but like Jonathan, Joseph, and Jotaro are all in their own way, like really, really masculine. And then you get Jerno, and like he's this effeminate little elf boy. But like, not only that, he's like, when you look at his place in the story, 
he win? Do you know how many like one-on-one -on -one fights Jerno wins? Like maybe like one a proper stand battle. Like maybe one at the beginning. One. Yeah. One. He went. He went, like he fights Luca, but that's barely a fight at all. But there's he has one win against an automatic stand user, and the rest of the series he's confined as like a support role. He either inspires the other characters or he heals them, and it's kind of cool because I feel like it's this different kind of strength that he sort of brings to part five and i think that's in part why i think a lot of western fans maybe don't really connect at least western male fans don't really connect with Jerno in the same way they would the other characters but to me it's kind of what makes him great i think he really flies in the face of a lot of the kind of traditional masculinity that jojo's had kind of pushed up at that point and it, it's cool like it's really really cool even his standability to kind of create life is really not a masculine no idea. no well, that, that, yeah. that's that's a yeah that's mm. maternal yeah. yeah um i like usopp in one piece he gets a really he's got such an interesting arc from like where he began to where he is now in one piece and that he was just this kind of like gag character that would have the biggest range of emotions he wasn't a stoic character he would panic and cry and you know react as a human would on that planet you know if we were to fight a freakishly weird fish man that was 10 times our own strength and he's a, an interesting shonen kind of side protagonist in that he kind of just he's he's incredibly scrappy and he does not win fights gracefully but he wins them like in a very clever way but there's no real kind of like flourisher style to them until later on where he gets more confident and I like that. I, I, I like male characters getting more confident, but it's earned. I think uh, Gone from Hunter x Hunter. I was just going to say maybe really... literally all the male characters yeah, from Hunter I was actually going like to say Lero, that as well. Yeah. Um, um, Kirby Pika. Kirby kind of is a question mark there. Yeah. yeah. But even but he, then, yeah. you know. But yeah. yeah, even when you're talking about like alternative ideas of masculinity, you can also talk about non-binary people, trans men, mm -hmm. you know, just like gender non-conforming women. It's just like redefining masculinity is a really interesting concept generally. And, and it's I weird like Curry Pika for that. Because like, he there's also that. a moment where like, Gone gives into like, all the like serious, just like negative, hateful shit in him. And that's when he's like at his... He has, you know, he goes through the big transformation. He's at his most masculine then. That's kind of yeah. interesting. Like, like obviously, like, masculinity isn't inherently evil, but I think it is cool when you see people play around with it in writing and experiment mm -hmm. with different kinds of characters. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of He-Men, you know? And I like a lot of those characters, but I just appreciate when it's something different, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's just like like everyone is rounded and exists as a person and I think sometimes masculinity when it's depicted in media is this very, very narrow scope that nearly ignores the humanity of men. And that's like one hundred percent. And it's just like that's such an upsetting concept yeah, it's to so present to young boys and just people in general that this is this is this is it. This is the mold of what makes someone a hero and what makes someone yeah. powerful and special is to kind of ignore. And like as humanity. like as a, as a dude growing up, you just face that constantly, where it's like yeah. this is what you are, right? Right? Yeah. Like, you know, and like it's a lot of pressure for young lads and like I think I hope it's better today than it was when I grew up I don't know everything seems extremely they make things black and white way more now binary yeah um like for me I guess like my favorite depictions of masculinity are when they put the male character or you know a male oriented character in a paternal or older brother role 
where they're protective, but maybe they're protective in a headstrong way, but they need to kind of calm themselves and learn it from a more emotional place. And so there's a growth there. I like those yeah, kind of stories. That can be a lot of... You like fun. good time a, a lot because of that with Robert yeah. Patterson. Oh, yeah. 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 And like, I, I guess even Kiryu and Yakuza, like he's... He's a big buff guy, but he's always about protecting people. But it comes from like a place of anger, but then he needs to change it to a place of love. But I, I, I like those kind I, of stories. I, like, I love Kiryu for that as well because like he's also like a very respectful person that's like never dismissive of anyone. Like no matter who he and like comes into and like the depiction of like trans characters and stuff, not good in Yakuza. But like even when Kiryu meets them, he's respectful to them, and I appreciate that at least. Oh, trying out Dale Cooper. Hell yeah. Yeah, Dale yeah. Cooper. I really, really, like, I, I hate the trope of, like, the government man and the local sheriff and they, they butt heads. I love Dale Cooper and Sheriff Truman's relationship in mm-hmm. the first two seasons of Twin Peaks. And just that they just connect on a, like, emotional and spiritual level. Yeah. And, like, Dale, like, introduces the ideas of Tibet and stuff to them. What's the name of the other secret agent from that? Andy. And Not Andy. Um, oh, not secret agent, the, the FBI one that's is. mean and gets and, nice uh, until he's yeah. not. Until yeah. the one scene where he's like, "I love you, Sheriff Truman." Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's like a fucking great example of that as well. I can't remember that guy. I can't remember the actor's name. Yeah, he's he's brilliant. Like he's 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 dead now, but he's fantastic in that role. Well, guys, that's our deep dive into masculinity. Let's <laughs> 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 uh, say we do some Patreon shoutouts. Yes. So. You got three bucks. I got three bucks. Well, we got a Patreon. Are you fucking serious? Yeah. And Holy um, shit. Our podcast is, you know, it, it, it's it, it's it's got a Patreon. Wait, uh, no, hang on. Am I giving three bucks to Patreon or three bucks to you? To us? Holy shit! Really? Yeah, it's three of us here, so it could be like a dollar each if you okay, want. Okay, where where do I need to go? I'm gonna write down the address on this envelope. That is a uh, sixty-seven patron street. Oh, what am I doing here? You go on the internet. Where I don't. What's that? It's on a computer, and it's uh, you open up a window. Okay, like, like you have lost me, but I'll, I'll keep listening. Okay, Grams. So you got to open up a window, and you type in patreon.com forward slash LFAB. Right. You can donate whenever you want, okay. uh, but $3 gets you into our Discord with a lot of cool, lovely people, and then it gets you to listen to our back catalog of embarrassing episodes from the past. Ah, uh, the black tapes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we also do a Patreon shout-out. We do a Patreon shout-out. And you could sound a little something. Like this, Neve go. Brian, save us. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. JJX2525. I can't believe. Huh, I see what you did. How you guys pronounce stuff sometimes. He spelled believe That's like you were me. very clever. Yeah. Because I looked at this and I was like, well, what's wrong with this young gentleman? <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. That's like, I guess, being Irish. Yeah. Okay, this believe next... is spelt like how the end of Neve's name is spelt. This next one... M and H make a V sound. They do. This next one is from Cogzilla. Shoutouts to Trouble the Cool Doggo. Hell yeah. Trouble's a great name for a dog. Why did you give me the other one? I fucking... That's why. 
This is from 40 Tentacles. What do I gotta do to get a hello from the boss cast? How wow. John? You, you got two. He's probably just no, 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 John, John. John, three dollars. That's three hellos. Please, no bully. <laughs> oh, I, I hate that stupid meme and the weird little fucking. Please. Please. Hello. <laughs> Hello. 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 I think we've. I think that's enough. John, just one more. No. John, no. I didn't get it. No. That, I didn't yes, get you fucking it. did. No, I, I said it right into the microphone. My <laughs> microphone etiquette is perfect, Brian. Could you say hello? No. Please. Hello. So there you go. We got to say it twice. I hope you're happy. I'm not. Okay. Um, I want to say thank you to everyone on the Discord. And also just like... Um, <laughs> last, la- last episode we talked about a deleted user from the Discord. Oh yeah. And that dude ended up getting in touch. And it's... I don't want to say too much. But it was basically like... You know, they had some kind of like financial stuff going on they're kind of like worried that they felt maybe a bit awkward about like hanging around the discord um and look if some like just to say if someone like is a patron like even once like you're good you can hang around the discord as much as you want like don't feel a need to not do that don't get me wrong don't get us wrong we super appreciate everyone who supports us and it is loud you know, if you're watching, like, the YouTube channel at the moment, you're seeing all the different Let's Plays go up, like, that is because of that, and we are insanely appreciative. Yeah, oh yeah. But also, like, you know, as long as you're not, like, a fucking tit, you can <laughs> hang around the Discord. Yeah, no, like, we like our community. Yeah, there's some there's some cool folk in that place. You're, you're more than welcome to Absolutely. stick around. Um, I was just going to say as well, sometimes people have a bit of trouble when they support us on patreon they don't get the email or it gets sent to their junk folder if that happens do direct message us we'll 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 sort you out we'll hook you up it doesn't happen to everyone it seems to happen to maybe like one one or two percent of people yeah it's like a tiny amount but like it does happen but we do want to make sure you get what you support so please do contact us if you didn't get the discord link or the patreon or yeah the the black tapes or whatever yeah i yeah and with all the cleanup out of the way, all we got left is a nice, fat loot drop. Big old fat one. Neve, take us away. I got one. Yeah? Wabi Sabi, when bad photographs are better. I watched this too on the bus. It's great. Yeah. This, I love this is Jamie Windsor, and it's uh, it's about photography, and it's just about sometimes... Just like, and I think this is a really good thing as no matter what field, artistic field you're in, is to kind of take tips from people in other creative fields. So this is kind of about in the kind of pursuit of perfection that we kind of forget about the beauty of imperfection. And happy accidents. And, and happy accidents and that nodding every, not, not everything has to be perfect. And especially with like technological advantages, like with cameras specifically, because this is about photography perfection can kind of overshadow personality and humanity do you ever upload a picture that you're like oh i kind of fucked up on this one but hell i'll upload it way more like attention than any uh, any of your like good pictures yes. it just makes it more relatable because people are like oh yeah a you human could, made this. Yeah, and you could slave at something for hours and people will look at it the same amount of time yeah. they look at something you slave for way less time 
and it's just like sometimes the quick idea and the quick gesture and yeah. the the moment that you try and capture is way more powerful and important than i can't tell you how many of my like stupid random ideas did so much better than like my big planned masterpiece oh yeah mm-hmm. and like there are some goofs in our let's plays because you know we're still figuring it out but that's charm oh yeah it, it absolutely is um i'm glad they're in there and mm-hmm. yeah it's it, it it's the pursuit yeah being authentic to yourself and your creative vision is way more um, important than trying to chase an ideal that might not be you yeah um i got super bunny hops gaming while colorblind um been a big fan of super bunny hops channel for a long long time and one of my favorite things about him is his ability to make these seemingly really mundane topics like motion sickness or color blindness actually like super entertaining and he just recently put out a video on color blinds and um, i'm a little bit colorblind not to the point that it ever like i need to compensate for it but like there's certain shades of brown and green that are completely interchangeable to me one time i was wearing a brown hoodie for like a year i didn't know it was brown fucking appalled i remember that yeah but um yeah this was just a super good video and he's very good at what he does yeah uh mine is video game story time uh this is a girl who just tells you like cute stories about how video games were made or just nice observations about a game uh this one is on luigi's mansion tree and just how that game was made in the studio next level games of vancouver and how it's a very well-run studio and everyone is happy to work there and it has great glass door reviews and that's not something you hear about a lot in games. No. Ever, really. No. And so it just seems like the folks who made that game, they made a great game, and they had a great time making it, which is... That's what you want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, totally. yeah. yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I, I, and, and the drawings are super cute. Yeah, dude. Guys, that's going to do it. With yet another episode of the Let's Fight a Boss cast. Is this the last episode? We don't know. It could well be. It's not. It's probably it's a really good chance it's not. But you know, hey, listen, who knows? I don't know. We're gonna live forever. <laughs> Could all die tomorrow. We're all going to hell. Uh, if you haven't been checking out the YouTube channel, we have three separate let's plays going up there. Brian is play, playing through Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. I am playing through Silent Hill Two, and our Shenmue let's play is continuing and. The most recent episode three and I think episode four that follows are my personal favorite video thing we've ever done. I think we really got into the swing of that game and there were some real fucking nightmares that happened along the way and Shenmue's going to be releasing every Friday. Yeah. So The bit with the phone. (sighs) Hype as shit ever. It was. It really was. A perfect storm got us to a point where... That one phone call was so important. (laughs) (laughs) And getting on a bus was very hard. Sure was. But it's all so fucking exciting. Because we know if we screw up, we're going to lose 30 real life minutes from our lives. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh. Thank you for joining us, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.